Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We're here at the semifinals of the Dub Talk Ping Pong Tournament, and oh my god, is that a play from Megan? That is some strong language in adult situations right there. That's going to require a listener discretion advisory. And what is this? A very strong spoiler game from No Clue. Might be for the entire series. If you're going into this episode blind, you might be in for a bad time. And on the other table, boy do we have opinions from Lilac and Roots. Should probably remind the listeners out there that the opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and do not reflect Dub Talk as a whole. What a game! What a game! Enjoy the show. Welcome to Dub Talk, the show where a bunch of nerds get together and talk about a recent dub or dub announcement. Today, however, is a little different. Today is the inaugural episode of our Dub Talk Classics Initiative, where we turn back Woo! the clock and discuss a dub that's had a profound impact on how we view dubs as a whole. We're Wait sorry. a second, this so- isn't Wolf's Rain. We're sorry it's not Wolf's Rain. <laughs> Rain. Shit happened. <laughs> I've got depression. <laughs> This show is the, the the Wolf's Raid is like oh god that's an emotional roller coaster and a half. So. It is pretty bleak, yeah. Uh, so we're gonna hold off on that one right now. Uh, so I am your host and MC Roots of Justice, and the dub I have chosen for my episode is Ping Pong the Animation. Yeah. Uh, now this is Woo! probably the most recent show that Dub Talk Classical actually end up covering. Uh, after all, at least, uh, at least this first string anyway. It's probably, the dub at least, is only about two-ish years old. Yeah, it sounds uh, But in dub terms, in anime the, terms, that's like two decades. Yeah. No. Uh, but this show kind of stuck with me in ways other shows in the sports genre really haven't. Uh, it's message that really, it's not talent versus, uh, you know, raw natural talent versus acquired talent. It doesn't matter as long as you use what you have to its fullest. Honestly, it's a Uh, really good theme that the show has. It's really stuck with me over the years, and this dub is one that I have really, really enjoyed. But we'll be getting a little more into that as we go. Um, Allow me to introduce my teammates on this epic adventure. Uh, First of all, we have the trickster on the backhand paddle style. Megan. Whoop, whoop, bitch. <laughs> nice. What? I don't know where that came from, just whoop, whoop. Considering how a good amount of these characters have some kind of nickname to them, Megan's would be devil. Aw, oh, come on now. She's, I'm the devil! She's At the least... self-proclaimed dub talk devil. You know it fits, Noah. You know it. I do, I do, but at the very least, let her have the dignity of having a cool name like Beelzebub. Nah, nah, fam. I mean, we have <laughs> characters who have the nickname of, like, Dragon and Demon, and fucking China, okay? Just China. <laughs> yes. Just, just <laughs> I don't China. think we need to be too creative with the name here. <laughs> no. It's no worse than Azumanga where they just named a character Osaka. Hey, guys, oh, yeah, who the fuck true. are you two, and why are you talking over our host? Because I'm tired as shit. Maybe right, alone. So next up, next up, we have the coach of ours in the world of animation. Noah Clue. I would just like to say, okay, I have to pick out a nickname. All right. Oh no. Based on this show, I would like to be 
melting jello because that is what this entire show is like. It's like watching melted jello all over your screen, oh, and I no. love every second of it. I was about to say, don't tell me you're going to be one of those people who has an issue with the animation. <laughs> I might have to punch you. <laughs> oh, you're one of those people. You're one of those people. <laughs> you're the one of those people. The, 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 I mean, come on. Yuas is like the first director since uh, Iseo Takahata, who's actually managed to win. Hold on, hold on, I got it. Oh, he wins uh, awards. The, okay. The Cristal du Long Métrage at the NSC International Animation Film Festival this year Ooh. for Lou Over the Wall. Uh, that's Ooh, right. Yeah. He, and I'm kind of glad too because I think his style is a little more suited to feature animation than long-form TV animation. Although, this this was quite the experiment, but I have to remind myself, we chose this show, and are we gonna talk about the animation? A bit, but that's not the main focus. Are we gonna talk about the music? No, we are gonna focus on, of all things, the dub. And I'm looking forward to it. Right, right. And finally, we have the head of our podcast and our team sponsor, Lilac. Hello, hello. Um, Her nickname is Mom-chan. <laughs> My nickname is Mom Chad, of course. Um, kind of just to, for those who may not know how the Dub Talk Classics kind of work, do we want to kind of explain that a little bit? Since sure. this is our first episode. Um, so basically, uh, if you missed the spring announcement video where we announced that Dub Talk Classics is going to be a thing, basically how the episodes are broken down, uh, the host, in this case we have Roots, um, the host is someone who has quite a bit of experience with the show, uh, with the dub, who has a lot of previous knowledge going into it, uh, and the people going into the show, um, they may not have seen the dub before, seen the show before, or... Never. Like me, I have never, I literally, as of the time of this recording, finished this show 40 minutes ago. Yeah. Woohoo! For that me! Was, we were, I was watching you marathon that thing, saying like, alright, what's your progress report? And then yeah. you like, jumped over the finish line, it's like... Done. Yeah, I know for me this is the second time I've seen the show and I've seen the dub, so um, I, I've, I've seen it very little. Because the last time I saw it, I think maybe was a year, year and a half ago now. I think. Well, yeah, in December it'll be two years because you watched it for the dubbies one year. Yes, that's why. I watched it for the dubbies, which is great because we're going to be talking <laughs> about one of my award winners today. I'm excited. She did it all for the dubbies. Yeah. Woo! And fun fact, this show was actually one of the ones that I kind of wanted to cover when I first started. Yeah, but we didn't have so, a reason or opportunity to do it, but now we do. Full circle, guys! Woo! Yay! You, and you also, know, you know full what else? circle, isn't um, Yuso a guest at AFS too, if I remember right? Oh yes. yes! Masayaki Yuasa is showing up and premiering both of the films he debuted this year. Nice, that's right. Blue over the wall and uh, I can't remember the, the other one. short walk on girl. Okay, I, I remember reading uh, Lou over the wall, uh, but I didn't remember hearing about the other one. So that'll be interesting. So I know what I'm gonna have to bring her in the sign. <laughs> yes. And also a fun little story before we get started. Um, I actually watched the series finale of this while waiting to set up at <clears throat> PortCon. Because for those of you who don't know, I, I work the con sales booth at PortCon. And um, as the series finale was airing, because Noi Tomino's Thursdays and PortCon starts up on Thursday, I was sitting, waiting, 
waiting basically for marching orders, watching this episode on my phone, I literally teared up with the uh, finale song. <laughs> That's such a cute song at the oh. end. It is. Uh. <laughs> did, did you have to like explain to someone nearby and you like pulled them up and said, dude, you, you gotta see this. It, I, I'm crying manly tears, but you gotta see this. <laughs> I actually did. <laughs> nice. nice. Like, I evangelized the crap out of this show it's a, when it was first. It's honestly well, a really good show. It is it? Mainly because, mainly because of the Adventure Time episode Masaki Yuasa did around the same time. Food chain! Did not know that he did an Adventure Time episode. Cool. And, um... Uh, there was a lot of concern at the very beginning that this would even get dubbed. Because Funimation had another one of Yuasa's shows, mm -hmm. the Tatami Galaxy, mm. and which even now, as of, in the year 2017, it has not received a physical release in the U.S., it is, let alone right. a dub. It is still mythic, up. That's one of those mythical is, licenses that has never had a physical release. Right, it is still up on Funimation's website. You can still watch it in sub, but you cannot buy a physical copy of this legally in Region 1. I keep being told I need to watch Tatami Galaxy, and I haven't. You do. Anyway, mm -mm. I think <laughs> we. I think we. I think we've let this introduction go on way what? too fucking no, long. I can tie this together. I can tie this together. Speaking oh, we of gotta get our eye on the ball. Speaking of 1998, that also happened to be the time period that the original manga was being published in. I don't know. Oh, there Look you at go. Noah keeping his eye on the ball. God damn it, guys. <laughs> Don't make I'm, me get the paddle. I'm too tired for this shit. Catch Can my we just move along? <laughs> and there's also like a live action movie that got released in 2002. I think Viz put it out. Oh, maybe I didn't at a know print. That. Also, B, apparently the guy who played one of the characters in it got the Japanese Academy Award. Sick. Really? Did not know that. But you know what every Academy Award winning creature needs? I'm sorry, Roots, to pull an Andrew on you. Yes. We need a director. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you, bur you burned me. I'm sorry, I pulled an Andrew. I must now commit Sudoku. <laughs> Sudoku? You burned Sudoku. me. <laughs> Look, just because Roots is in the chat doesn't mean we have to make everything about puzzles. No, no, no. Suppose, what is it? Not Sudoku, it's, um... Sekepu. Sekepu, is the one the 80s movies keep Go say, where's your fork, Megan? Let's go. <laughs> I'm about to fork you guys up if we don't move on. Right, right. Okay, so we gotta get to the ADR director and the staff. Please and thank you. Uh, the director for this show ended up being Christopher Bevins. Hallelujah! Hi, Dad! Who you would know from Akka, 13 Territory Inspection Department, Beck, Mongolian Chop Squad, Woo yes. Last Exile Fan, The Silver Wing. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, the first seven episodes of Big Windup, and the heroic legend of Arsenal. Yeah! The show that people doubt is good, but when they watch it, it's like. Heroic Legend of Arsenal, the so. show with my favorite musical fuckboy. <laughs> AKA Jerry <laughs> B. I'm so tempted to bring my Arslan set for him only because Dude. of my love for fuckboy. Shit. Yeah, point. Anyway, who are the writers' roots? I don't. What the? So we have two writers Yay. for this show. Uh, first off, we have Jared Hedges. Everyone's favorite gimp. They brought him out of the uh, closet. Who you would know from Rage of Bahamut Genesis. Woo gangsta. Uh, to show how long he's been working for Funimation, Yu Yu Hakusho. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
and Michiko and Hachin. So, of course, this isn't the first time he's worked with Bevins on a show before. Mm -hmm. No. And uh, Joel Bergen, who, as far as I could tell, frequently collaborates with Jared Hedges. Um, You would know him from... Oh, God, I I really hate the pronunciation of this title. Um, Eldlive? Eldlive. Eldlive. Okay, okay, Eldlive. I I watched the show, don't worry, it's Eldlive. Alright, um, Monster Hunter stories right on. Mm -hmm. Oh, that poor Uh, bastard. (laughs) Die Middler, Prince vs. Penguin Empire. Die That wonderful bastard! Die And both he and Jared Hedges, uh, worked on Psychopaths. Okay, yep. Awesome, good, good. Penguin dicks! <laughs> they could not put that on the box, Megan. We had to put a legal title on the front. <laughs> One that would not be putting the show on the Penguin dicks! Mech versus Matt Mercer! God damn it. Hey, hey now. You, whatever makes that money. <laughs> it's pectoral feathers. Oh, God. Anyway. You, you, keep, you keep telling yourself that, Roots. That, Roots. Anyways... Okay, so Megan, what did you think of the direction and the script writing? <laughs> this anime was like tripping fucking balls. <laughs> so many balls. How many balls in the air? There were so many balls in my face. I just need that <laughs> gift of like Lindsay, Lindsay oh, Ellis being hit with the hot dogs. Oh god. Replace it with me and ping pong balls. Oh god. Oh god. That would probably hurt. Oh, Aside from that. Uh, no, aside from that, uh, I don't think I could imagine anybody else directing this show. Um, no. There is something with the way Chris Bevins works with shows that are not technically anime fan fodder. Mm. And I say that mm. not only because he's directed this show, um, but he he himself says that he likes to direct shows that are more thoughtful and more than just what most your base level anime fan watches, which nice. is tits jiggling everywhere um, and guys punching themselves for 20 plus years in the same arc and watching Chris Sabat's character get bent over to make the other one look better. Um, nice. Poor Vegeta. Th- there Poor is a lot. Vegeta was robbed. Um, <laughs> but I feel like his grasp on directing this show's characters and their emotionality, emotionality, their fragile egos at points, mm-hmm. um, is spot fucking on. Um, I can only imagine what this show sounded like in the Japanese with how frenetic at times the English got. Like, you, if you stepped away for a second thinking you could pay attention to just the dialogue, which <laughs> frankly on some anime you can kind of get away with that, um, that you can just zone out and just put the English dub on, you can get the story and stuff. I feel like if you just look away for a second in ping pong, you're going to miss something. Um, and I feel the writing also backs it up a lot because you have a lot of like double phrases and very, very, um, I don't know how to really describe it, like, I feel like if this was written by somebody who would have taken liberties, or too many liberties with the show, it would have lost a lot of its appeal story-wise in its visuals. So I like the balance that Joel, Jared, and Chris balanced 
Um, and I really do like the fact that Chris Bevins handles shows with multiple languages, multiple ethnicities, and stuff very well. And the choice that... I know we're going to bring it up with this character, but there's a character who speaks Mandarin. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they decided to keep him dubbed in Mandarin for when he speaks it, as opposed to say, a Yuri on Ice situation where it's implied all of the characters who c can speak English naturally mm -hmm. at some level exist. This is a show where that doesn't exist, and I appreciate that as a directing choice. Yeah. It, yeah. I'm trying to think of something to, like, counterbalance that with, but it's like, no, no, I agree with all those checkboxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a really strongly directed dub. It's probably one of the best dubs that's come out in the last um, three years since we've been doing this podcast, honestly. Honestly. It, it, it had quite a, a challenge to it, and yeah, like you said, anyone who was uh, more liberal on the translations would have probably botched the effort. And you know, even on the technical <laughs> side, with how crazy and energetic the animation gets, uh, oh my it, God. the lip flaps... Yep. That had to be a nightmare for these fucking people. Intact. Yeah, because let's, let's face it, the animation is going to be... be the animation for the show is very hit or miss I've seen people really love it and praise it for its uniqueness and how daring it can be. And I've also seen the opposite side where people are like, this show is a fucking mess. Um, <laughs> and they're technically both right. They're both technically right, but um, in terms of um, the directing and the writing, like basically everything Megan has said, I feel the exact same way. Um, this is one of the stronger shows that Bevins has done the past few years. And I know um, when Megan and I we were talking about Carnival, um, he has this thing about unconventional casting that he'll do sometimes too. And um, I know when we bring up um, Kong Wenge, um, that's obviously going to come into play because he's the he is the Kong Chinese Kong and Kazuma. Kazuma and Kazuma for me. Kazuma definitely. Um, and probably also um, Sakuma. The guy with the glasses, I would I would also say a little bit in my part, but I'll talk about that when I get to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe, but I mean, unconventional casting, it's always a fun thing to see, too. Um, but yeah, this is definitely one of the stronger pieces that I've seen from Bevins in the past few years. Roots, you've seen this in Japanese, right? Right. Okay, uh, in the Japanese version... Um, and you've seen a lot of anime. Like you've seen a lot of anime. You know, oh. you know what normal, <laughs> you know what normal Japanese acting sounds like. In the Japanese for right. ping pong, did the acting sound more, um, uh, more like a radio drama or a Sentai series to you? A bit, yeah. Like it, it sounded a little more subdued. Okay, so not not so much like um, uh, voice actors in a booth, but a little bit more like people out and about and with a microphone. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, see, I was wondering, because I've seen the Tatami Galaxies, which is, of course, not a similar type of show, but uh, has a lot same of... Same director. It's same director, and it also has a lot of fast dialogue to it. And in that show as well, there's a lot of subdued acting as well in that. So, so, you, think... so you think it's basically a similar directing style that got brought from, like, Tatami Galaxy into here, is what you're saying. If it did, then I was really surprised by the direction that Chris Bevins took with the English acting, because I fully expected that this voice acting would be... Uh, kind of like Fantastic Mr. Fox almost, where a lot of the actors would be uh, mumbling a around, there would be a lot of um, overlapping uh, speaking, there, it wouldn't be as tight 
as most anime acting, but that's not what they did with the dub on this. They, they made it just as theatrical as most of their dubs, which is good, too, because jumping into a show like this where the style is so weird and... L let's show up hands here. How many people really take ping pong that seriously? Anybody? No. <laughs> ping pong is not the Olympic like... sport I watch when the Olympics are on. <laughs> <laughs> it's there, like, but... Ping pong the animation treats the sport of ping pong like Yu-Gi-Oh treats its car game. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was glad that they didn't pull any of those, uh, they didn't pull, like, super magic power bomb moves in the entire show. Everything was right, actual right. moves. That would've been hilarious stop, if they did. Stop shitting but... on my love of Kuroko's basketball, where it literally <laughs> turned into fucking JoJo's at points. That, they don't use, like, super moves, but it's also bombastic. It feels like it. It is. It's one of, it's like the same reason that I love Food Wars so much, is that it's over the top, but you can also cook everything that's in Food Wars. And the same yeah. way, ping pong is over the top, but you can serve the way that they're serving in ping pong. Yeah, you would probably kill yourself because the people in ping pong are made of jello. That, um, that they are. Basically, like, it. some of it may seem like it's over exaggerated a little bit, but at the same time, it still manages to stay at that basic level of how ping pong works. And that is his, right. that is a Uasis style too, because mm -hmm. he he seems to have a panache theme wise for depicting high schoolers as uh, young people uh, just as greedy and selfishly as they actually are, which I admire because we don't see a whole lot of that. It reminds me more of Beck Mongolian Chop Squad than anything else. Not just high schoolers are dicks. Yeah, yeah not just because Chris yes. Bevins directed this too, but also because high schoolers are a bunch of dicks, and no. it's good to acknowledge that. And you know that. That brings me up to one of my <clears throat> one of my bigger praises of the direction. Uh, it feels like human beings acting human. Yeah. And that def that definitely carries into the English as well. When the show gets heavy, Bevins gets heavy. Oh yeah, he does. In the lighter moments, it is very very funny. Like like did you did you guys laugh when uh, China someone asked China if I play hard enough can I play like you someday and he's like not a chance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not a chance. That was no. great. No, but you're getting better. Crush. But you're getting better. <laughs> yes. Crushes dreams. Do you but think keep I can little. play just like Hoshino? Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Not a shot in hell, kid. Even even in a serious moment, when one of the characters isn't taking it seriously, I feel like it's still funny. Like, I, I want to save it for when we talk for, about that character, though. I'm going to make a very, very bad joke. Okay, speaking yeah. of characters, we're like, 20-ish minutes in. So we gotta start rolling on to characters because we're, we're like 20-ish minutes in already. We There's a lot to really talk about here. It's, <laughs> I know. So there's a lot so to It's so fun to finally gush about this show. Uh, Roots' dream is finally coming true right now, guys. <laughs> I would like to thank once again Roots of Justice for forcing me to watch a show for an episode that I normally probably wouldn't have watched. <laughs> Yay! Anyway. Alright, so starting off, we have the... Uh, the lower level players of Katase High School. Uh, we have the team captain, Ota. And then we have two upperclassmen hanger-ons, uh, Yamada and Takamura. Yamada. And because um, I really didn't have anywhere else to put him and I really wanted to talk about him because he's one of my favorite characters in the show. Uh, it's Igami. He doesn't play a very big role, but he basically gets skunked in one of the first rounds of the first tournament. <laughs> And he's just like, you know what? Maybe ping pong's not for me. I'm gonna go check out the beach. 
<laughs> then he and gets then to the beach. On. He's like, maybe the beach isn't for me. I'm gonna go to the mountain. Maybe I'll go to the mountain. <laughs> this isn't the mountain at all. And then in episode ten, he comes back to Japan because he's like visited the entire world yeah. in, in a year. <laughs> I don't like, know. Oh, God. In a year, mind you. So good Not for even. him. Ping pong. He, he goes to the second ping pong tournament. He's just like. Oh god, ping pong, my mistress, I miss you. <laughs> what have I done? Take me back! He's, he's the most lovable character so of the entire funny. show, and the entire cast is pretty much lovable. Oh god, it's great. Uh, so in any case, um, Ota is played by Tyson Reinhardt, who you would know as uh, Itaru, a.k.a. Daru Hashida from Steins Gate. Uh, he's Lavalli in Rage of Bahamut Genesis. Uh, Kagiri in Carnival. Tada Kazaru Tairu in All Out. Okay, so next up, uh, Yamada is played by Josh Greeley. Who, who <laughs> you would know as uh, you know, little, char- <laughs> little character maybe slipped under the radar. Um, Armin Arlet from Attack on Titan. Little character. N- n- or if you, or if you ask that. my mother, really obs- if you ask my mother, she calls Armin the science guy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. She's not wrong. Okay. Another little obscure character from a little niche show, uh, Yuri Katsuki from Yuri on Ice. <laughs> oh, that show is shorts. gay, Kappa Pride, Angel Thumb. Oh, that old show? Nobody watches that, that anymore. Totally Especially not on a Twitch like, stream at 3 in the morning. <laughs> Excuse me, that was a magical moment in our history of anime fandom. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, uh, he was also Striker and Gangsta. And uh, Aichiro Nitori in Free. Nitori! Uh, Takamura was voiced by Christopher Bevins, who you would know as uh, Natsuki Issei from All Out. Uh, Hiroshi Morenos from Michiko and Hachin. Uh, Fuck Misao. that guy! <laughs> hey, you know Misaro, uh, blah, 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 Misano Ari Sween from Servamp. We don't talk about that show. <laughs> Oh well, boy, I the Shota kid. May have brought it up later. The Shota boy, oh um, no. <laughs> and Takashi A. Fuku and Princess Stride Alternative. I'm sorry, Sonny, I love you as a director, but that was a bad casting choice. I'm sorry. <laughs> Surveil, I'm that still was buying shit one. into the LE, though. I owe Chris Waycamp one. <laughs> and my favorite character, Egani, <laughs> is played by Eric Mantle. Yeah. Who does not kill children. Who does not, not kill children. We know of. Well, well he did, who knows what he did in that year off? We'll never know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, you would know him as Kyuta from The Boy and the Beast. Yay. Uh, Keisuke Umehara and Big Windup. The uh, the big character in the first episode, Takashi from Death Parade. Mm, yep. Like like the dark guy. I love that episode. That's a by good the way. episode. Oh, love it. It's a great nice way to start off the show. Stakes. And uh, he was also uh, God. What what is this? Show he was also about? God. <laughs> Future Trunks in Dragon Ball Z. Oh, you know the most. Nobody watches thing. that bit fucking show. What the hell is that shit? You know who Eric Vale really is. He's everyone's favorite child murdering gay vampire. Farid oh Batroy. Here we go. Anyway. Okay, so Megan, uh, what was your opinion on the Katase players? In regards to Josh and Bevins, I don't feel like they were around enough to really make an impression on me. 
Um, Eric Vale's character was hysterical. Just poor motherfucker. Um, <laughs> just, just poor dude. Uh, and I like how Eric Vale was like this hopeless dude. And I loved at the end when he started crying about ping pong being his first love and that he needs to come back to it. Uh, but the one who made it actually a really big impression on me was uh, Tyson Reinhardt as the guy who looks like he sticks a taser up his butt to get his hair to stand up every day. Um... <laughs> He was to get up there and get the hair gel ready. I, <laughs> I mean, how else right. are you going to get those satellite channels? You know, you, you got to tweak the antennas. I mean, how, is, how else go is he going to help his family's electronic business? I mean, and on Christmas, he's on the roof. He's just messing with someone's TV antenna. There we go. Irony. But but uh, no, I actually really enjoyed Tyson Reinhardt in this. Um, you really don't hear Tyson Reinhardt in a lot of things besides bit characters sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I thought he did a really good job and made a really good impression as this kind of angry co- this angry, um, this angry guy who suddenly gets less angry as the series goes on and very caring about his team and his family. So I really enjoyed it. And I'm gonna pass it off to Noah, because if I say anymore, I feel like I'm going to make more Mika Boy jokes at Lilac. Oh my. I murder you in your sleep. Can, can I be a different Yu-Gi-Oh character then? Do you kind be, of can you be can you be Makor can you be Bakora? I was just no, well no I was gonna be Maverick but okay. <clears throat> Let me guess we're going to talk about the voice actors of Funimation who make the girls cream their pants. <clears throat> okay. I'm too tired for this shit. Awesome, excellent. Now we're going to talk about the voice actors for Funimation who are awesome because well honestly they don't. <laughs> <laughs> She's Probably. Yeah, yeah. Did you wonder why I'm not going to Anime Fest? <laughs> Give her an excuse not to kill me. Because you have a fucking newborn child. Thought that was your reason. Don't for leave them. Don't do that to Jenny Lilac. You can't leave Jenny a widow and Ollie and Ruby fatherless. I feel like Jenny would be better off for it, but okay. Oh, like, oh, no <laughs> you know, Christmas Also, B, you can't Lila leave Hardy without his daddy, if you know what I'm saying. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. Noah. 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 Just, just, I'm you know I love you. I'm gonna put my foot down. Like, yeah. Noah, you know I love you. Now, go ahead with your opinion. I love you, too. I, I love you enough <laughs> to give you a couch. I just, I just screw with you. Yay! <laughs> How is that? Uh, Never mind, we're not getting into that conversation. Anyway. Wait, hold on, let me check really quickly. Um, okay, still got a dick there, so I don't know how that would be gay. <laughs> Speaking uh, of having... Heterosexual! <laughs> Fucking heterosexual. Anyway. I'm sorry, we're taking up so much time on this because honestly, like Megan, I don't have too much to say on these three characters. And you know what? That's a good thing because majority of this cast is supposed to have normal sounding voices. When I say normal, I don't mean... Uh, flat monotone voices, but more like uh, like a little uh, more exaggerated than the guy in an office three cubes down from you. You know, they're, they're like they've got character, they've got personality, but they also sound like more normal people. And that's kind of what this show like, calls for. Like you know them, but you don't know them. Yeah. yeah, I don't know them. Like I said at the top here, like an acquaintance. Actually, that's a better term for it than just people you know. There is a again, Josh. Does uh, he does Yamada just fine? I couldn't I couldn't tell any of them really apart. Like if I were to close my eyes and watch the show without seeing the character designs, I probably wouldn't be able to differentiate a lot of the characters. They have a lot of similar high school voices to them, and again, that's a good thing. No one stands out as being bad, which that would have been something you know to talk about. There's only one really annoying character, and that's 
uh, like the girl in episode 10 who's got like this shrieky you were in there for a really long time. Oh, Boy, you know that was Jake's girlfriend. Yeah, who I don't think any like that. The fact that that's the most annoying character is probably an indication that everyone else is really good. Who was very likely intentionally annoying. I, yeah, I understand that. And again, that's why something I appreciate about Chris Bevan's direction is uh, we don't get a lot of shows like this. We get a lot of overly captivating characters, or a lot of heartthrobs, or girls who are Onichan uh, swooning over the boys. This is a good chance to bring us back to reality to remind us, this is kind of what high school is probably like for uh, the average Japanese student. Angsty, hormonal, lots of egos, and... But everyone secretly loves each other like a bro like a buddy. So, Lilac, did you uh, did you have a favorite boy here? And does his name start with a J and end with a Osh Greeley? I escaped that hole several I know. weeks ago. You really but, want me to murder you in your sleep, don't you? You know the thing Wrong about you know the thing about the holes king. is they just keep sucking you back in. No, I escaped that hole. Knock it off. Okay. Um. Anyway, kind of talking about Josh, may as well transition to that. Uh, Josh played Mr. Exposition Man for this show, basically. Especially in the first episode or two, where um, he kind of So he's ping pong Armin. Yeah, um, and gave a lot of background information regarding, like, um, uh, uh, the two the big rules characters. Of Skimoto! I was like, how the fuck do you pronounce his name again? Skimoto and um, <laughs> Hoshido. Um, and then the... As for Tyson and Eric, I'm in the same boat as Megan. Both of them are very enjoyable, uh, especially Tyson, because you don't really hear him in larger roles like this that often, kind of like we were talking about Carnival. The only one that I don't really remember much about is actually Bevan's character, because he had, out of these four, probably the least scenes, the least amount of lines out of any of them, and nine times out of ten, you usually saw Bevan's character being a assistant bully to Tyson's character. So he, Chris Bevan's role was not that memorable compared to some of the other ones in here. Um, but all of them were really spot on in terms of characters and personalities. And Eric Vale's wonderful thousand year journey of discovering ping pong again. Best shit of the show. <laughs> I actually kind of liked Yamada and Takamura. Uh, they felt to me like those, like the kids in the back of a clique. Mm. Oda wasn't really the one who was shit-talking smile. It was usually Yamada or Takamura. No, Yamada didn't really shit-talk him, I don't think. Yamada was more on their side, like, smiling Peko's side more than anything. Uh, maybe I'm... Maybe I'm thinking of a different side character. No, I'm pretty sure you're thinking Oda. At least at the beginning, Oda was shit-talking. No, no, no. At the very beginning of the show, Oda was, like, really pissed off at the both of them. Mm. And then he sort of grew into the loving big brother right around the time of, God, the Christmas Eve episode. Mm, yep. Somebody had a white Christmas. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. We'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> Tyson Reinhardt's Oda sounded very stoic, uh, especially in the latter half of the show when he was really starting to support Smile. And Yeah. I liked his genuine confusion towards in the last episode where he's like, well, coach, which one do we root for? Yeah. Yeah. 
You root for both, you dummy. And um, Eric Vale's Egamy. <sighs> like, my god. I, <sighs> I, I love the character in the Japanese version, and Eric Vale just stepped it up a notch. I mean, there was a reason why you really wanted to talk about him. <laughs> yeah. Like, he is just this very calm and meditative, almost like a monk. I was thinking like more. And I was thinking he, like more kind of like a chill bro kind of dude. Like, hey man. Yeah. Like the surfer bro yep. who goes to find yeah. himself comes back a Buddhist. Yes. That's a fair. That's an accurate description right there of how Eric played it. Like goes to spend a goes to spend a summer in Nepal comes back completely converted to Buddhism. <laughs> it, it definitely ties into the one of the themes of the of the whole show, which seems to be finding your purpose or like finding your direction in life which yeah. i know a lot of high yeah. a lot of high school shows do that this one seemed kind of like more honest about it like they have characters coming out in full dialogue and admitting to themselves that they're one of them's here to win the other one is just here to have fun one of yep. them has no idea what they're doing and the other one is in it just to go to the beach yes basically <laughs> he's here because i don't and know what i'm doing mountains. with my i don't know what i'm what am i what am i supposed to do with my hands uh, exactly. And, and unlike us, you know, like we, you know, advanced 20 year olds, you know, we know exactly what we're doing with our lives, right? The fuck I do? I'm still living with my goddamn parents! <laughs> so let that be a lesson to all you high schoolers out there. Yes, you may be angst and hormone ridden right now, but you will magically figure out what you're gonna do with your life on the day you turn 20. What? Yeah, you. Bullshit! <laughs> I'm almost 30 and I'm still figuring that out. You're, you're funny, Noah. I know one thing and one thing only. How to buy anime. <laughs> Amen. There you go. Yes. And you can buy anime now at crunchyroll.com. And God if you use it. the promo code DubTalkPodcast, you can get a 30-day free... Wait, do we have a sponsorship with them yet? No. Shut up, Shut up, Budget Miles. <laughs> I mean, if you want to go talk to Miles and shit about getting us a sponsorship, go right ahead. I will oh, leave you to don't it. Don't actually use that promo code. Don't actually use <laughs> that know, promo like, code. Please don't use that promo code. Exactly. We're not sponsored by anybody. The only thing we're You're... sponsored by is probably Alcoholics Anonymous for how much they probably think we're drinking. <laughs> Wait, we're not? Like, no, you're probably going to no, get laughed at by, like, an IT employee at Crunchyroll. No, there's a... <laughs> oh, look at these jackasses. No, there's a reason why nobody's allowed to drink alcohol on this podcast anymore. And it's 91 days related. <laughs> Did you not see the Brothers Conflict episode? Do you no. want to fuck your sister? Well, it wasn't as bad, though, as the 91 days incident. <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. We need more Mike's Hard Lemonade. No. Megan, it's funny you bring that up. Do you want to fuck your cousin? No! no, no. <laughs> Out. We can't bail on this uh, one. I'm dreaming <laughs> of a white God. Christmas. Now I just realized why we're not okay. sponsored. Yes. <laughs> the reason why we're not sponsored okay. is shit like your days be merry. Megan, Megan seriously. Megan, stop. We're good. Okay, we're good. you fuck your coffin <sighs> all night. It's not even Labor Day yet. <laughs> well, all that right. tissue was wearing right. white. Oh, God. God damn it. Roots, please right, save so this the, uh... Stop leaving the door open for me to walk through. <laughs> come here, come here, Megan. Come here, Megan, into your cage. 
Come here, poor <laughs> kid Seraph of the End. I'm sorry, Roots. I'll behave. <laughs> Good girl. Thank you. Put her in her damn place right now. This group is the uh, sort of two of the side characters from Kaio, the rival academy to. I'm sorry. Uh, the no. rival academy to Katase, and basically the one owned by the huge corporation that does ping pong stuff, Poseidon. Yes. Uh, we have our first character, sort of the, the spokes model, and the cousin to the ace player of Kaio's team, Yurie. And then we also have, I believe he's the captain of the team. No, he is not. But he wants to or be the captain of the team. He's oh, the assistant right, captain. Right, he's, he's the jealous He's He's the second in command. Yes. He is very jealous of said ace player. Uh, Masayuki Sanada, unfortunately, he does not have one of the cool nicknames of the other ping pong that's, player characters. That's how you can tell he's not a main character. <laughs> right. I guess you could call him, like, eyebrows. Maybe. Well. It Actually, yeah, let's go with that. So Yurie is played by Lindsay Sedell, who you would know as Nagisa Shiota in Assassination Classroom. Uh, Celestia Ludenberg from Danganronpa. Basically the, the anime version, not the video games. Yes, Celeste. Uh, uh, Miho Edagawa in Level E. And Aki Uihara, a.k.a. Thunder Road from Rolling Girls. Masayuki Eyebrows Sanada <laughs> is played by Ian Sinclair. Yeah. You would know as uh, Itsugo Orano from All Out. Uh, Sosuke Yamazaki from Free Eternal Summer. Colin from Level E. And Celestino Cialdini from Yuri on Ice. Aw, you forgot about Warwick. <laughs> I, I tried to keep it mainly focused on sports anime. Lindsay Seidel was great being this kind of aloof, lost, like, this girl who just wants the D, but he won't <laughs> admit it. Like, she gets really, really great, um, especially when she decides to leave him mm. and sells her car. And then Ian was great. I think the best Ian moment is when on her birthday slash Valentine's Day... He's like, I just want you to know I exist. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I have we're flowers for you. Monster. This is my chocolate now. <laughs> and it's this this chocolate shaped like a ping pong paddle. And Yuri has punched it because she's pissed off that morning when she made it. It's still because there, and he's just like, it's mine forever. <laughs> That's great. That, that is the closest thing to a phallic symbol she is going to get in this whole show. Oh my god. <laughs> I, was anyone else surprised by the lack of uh, other female characters in the show? Like, there's really only two named ones, I think. There's Yuri, and there's one more that we'll get to later. Well, I mean, technically you can also put um, Butterfly Joe's wife in there, but she doesn't really have much. No. I don't think they even give her a name. They gave her a name, I think. Oh, okay. Pretty sure they did. M Mrs. Butterfly Joe. No. I, no. No, she doesn't. But no, the the lack, uh, the sole focus on uh, just the uh, the male characters in this, like they don't even have uh, romantic subplots off to the side. Like sometimes we give to other female characters and shit like this. And that's another thing that was in the Tatsumi Galaxies too. Was there was only the one female character and that's it. Mm. Yeah, but that was also like that romance was basically the entire plot. 
That is true. I, I'll give you that and one. And everything that kind of erupted but I'm from I'm that. saying, like, they're, they're, you can have women, and you can have other females in the story. It's a high school, like, I'm assuming it's co-ed, so there should be, like, a multitude of other, care of all yeah. backgrounds in there. Like, yeah, that was, that was strange. Um, I do have to wonder if that was the decision of Yuasa's or... Uh, original manga author Taiyo Matsumoto's. That's I mean, a good, I have to based read it on to how it. everything was framed in terms of like the story itself, I would say that might be more on the manga, if anything. Right. But any, anyways, on the subject of Yuri, she was really good. Um, I really liked uh, the way that Lindsay played her because it's not like uh, I, I don't. I guess I didn't have any expectations going into it about what a, a go-getter, uh, I'm gonna move to London type character would be like. But I, I really liked the way it was performed. I can't think of anything to critique about it, except the fact that I need to hear Lindsay in more things because it's a very distinct voice that she brings to this character. Yeah. We miss and as, you, Lindsay Seidel. Please come back sometime. Please, please. We, we will give you chocolate. We promise. We'll remember your birthday, unlike those other assholes. We will remember it. Aww. <laughs> I do feel bad for anyone who has I a birthday. I remember the pain that Roots put me in. Did you ever have the pain of having a birthday on a major holiday? No. Then you do not know true suffering. You were not born on Christmas, New Year's, or Valentine's Day. I unlike mean, this poor girl. I mean, is it better or worse than being a leap year baby, though? Ooh. Um, I wouldn't know. Do, do you guys know anyone who's a leap year baby? Yeah, I feel like I at least know one person. Like... A, I can't remember who. Anyway, how do you feel about uh, Ian there, Noah? Um, This is definitely one of the characters that stuck out a lot more. Probably because he gets more angrier moments. Um, the, the camera loves to distort the face and just play off of how over the top they get in the matches. And I'm really glad they put Ian in this one because he does that. He goes crazy. And I love him in that role. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to agree on that, because Ian, Ian definitely knows how to play characters that have such strong high energy, and Sonata has, he has a lot of energy to him, but though it's a different kind of energy, because it's focused mm -hmm. in a different way, where Sonata, instead of being like an energetic goofball, similar to like what you would see maybe like Dandy from Space Dandy, or maybe Geisha from Yona, Mm -hmm. Sonata is more of like this ang this energy that's like very very angry and jealous. So that's a different focus for Ian, and it's actually played really well. Uh, and Yorie, I don't hear Lindsay enough in female roles. I still remember her <laughs> fondly as Nagisa in Assassination Classroom because that's one of the first times I really noticed her as Likewise, a voice actress. Yeah. But um, Lindsay, we miss you. Please come back sometime. <laughs> Well, she's probably still uh, in outer space right now. <laughs> they came back from space. Or did they? What are you telling me? That they put a life model decoy of, <laughs> of like, Nagisa uh, and of Karma? Of Lindsay and Austin in there. Well, they just learned, they learned uh, uh, the power to, you know, uh, be in two places at once, like uh, Koro-sensei has. So th there's just, like, there's two versions of Lindsay going Okay, around. technically Koro-sensei's not in two places at once. He's just moving really, really fast between the both of them. Okay, I know that, but you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, yeah, like Noah was saying about Yurie, she's definitely a go-getter. She knows what she wants, and if she doesn't get it, she's no, she, 
she knows what she's going to do next. So with Yurie, because the big plot point for her is her relationship to um, Kazuma, who we'll talk about later on. And when basically he she sees this change going on with him and she doesn't feel like he's the same person anymore, she's like, you know what? Screw everything. I'm getting out of Dodge. <laughs> I'm getting the hell out of Dodge, going to London, I'm going to do fashion and all this kind of stuff. And Question. Yes. Was she in, okay, in the very end when they show kind of like what happened after the tournament, was she the girl in the ads with Peiko? No. Or was that just another girl completely? Pretty sure it's another girl completely, a random girl. Yeah, but, she, I think she's elsewhere in the magazine. Yes, she is elsewhere. She's okay. elsewhere because it shows her as like this fashion designer of some kind. Um... She, yes. she never interacts with Peiko in the series, I don't no. think. No. No. I don't think she... No, she never did. Really, the only people she interacted with were um, Kazuma and Sanada, if anything. And her dad. And her dad. Um, but yeah, she's very much a go-getter, knows exactly what she wants, and Lindsay played that off very, very well. Um, and especially Yuri's frustrations, too, with her um, relationship with Kazuma. Um, I felt those were handled very strongly and worked very well for her. It was definitely one of the stronger subplots of, of the yeah. 20 subplots in the show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I mean, that said, it was kind of one of the more uncomfortable ones, because after all, Yurie and Sakuma are cousins. Yurie like, Kazuma. Not like, not like Fruits Basket cousins, uh, where it's like <laughs> a couple of different lines. No, I mean like the Lannisters of the ping pong world. Yurie uh, <laughs> Kazuma, not Sakuma. Not Sakuma. Kazuma. Oh, not Kazuma. I'm, I'm sorry. I got my names mixed well, up. Well, it doesn't it's help like, that they're yeah, fairly close to each other in names, so. Yeah. And that that every, when everyone's faces distort in the show, they can tend to look very similar. <laughs> Especially because all that team, all the characters shave their fucking head. That's they, oh, need, that was so... they need to be aerodynamic when they play ping pong, guys. Come on now. But the winners of the... We're not going to say who they were, but the winners weren't bald. <laughs> it's a theory so what that, does that didn't show pan you? out. Yeah, it didn't pan out at all. All the advantages in the world. Don't mean Jack when you're playing against somebody really good. Imagine shaving yourself like you got rid of all your body hair and your your head hair and everything, and then you end up losing, and you have to wait for that hair to grow back. <laughs> but it does. I. I uh, but anyway, I I really I really do like Yurie's go-getter attitude. Even though it's really kind of something I'm. A little uncomfortable with what she wants, but hey, she wants it and she's gonna get it. She doesn't end um, up getting it, but hey. Uh, as for uh, Ian Sinclair, I really like it when he plays the angry roles. Yeah. I I don't really? think he gets enough of those. Not enough. Like you get the you get the really passionate roles like Brooke in One Piece or. Or like Toriko. Right. True. And then there's just roles where that passion becomes anger and frustration and jealousy. And I really like hearing that side of him. You gotta really respect it when you can get somebody who can coach a voice like that. Oh, yeah. And speaking of coaching... Hey, oh, no! Segway! No! We are segwaying... 
that we are segwaying. Segwaiting. New word, ladies and gentlemen, in Scrabble. Segwaiting. <laughs> 52 points on a double letter score. No. Where you move from one line to the next. We have... What did you do? Uh, we have Sukimoto's coach. And basically the coach of the Katase team. Yes. Uh... Joe Koizumi, who was given the nickname Butterfly Joe. Uh, we have someone who's really not given an actual name in the course of the show. Can we call him Poseidon? <laughs> uh, oh no, I was um, I was talking about the the granny who runs the uh, the ping pong. Oh, oh, oh Baba. Whoops. Let's just call Baba. Smoker McGee. Tamara. I think it's Oba Tamara. They call her. Yeah, I know she's. I, 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 I don't know think she's her name's act. I know she's referred to yeah, as. Yeah, I don't think her name's actually Obaba. I, that's what she's I, listed I as. I believe though. that's that's a. Yeah, I believe that's uh, that's Japanese for for grandma, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Th there's yeah. a reason that they called the witch and spirited away Obaba. I mean, but um, mm -hmm. Joe calls her Tamara, so. Okay. Well, everyone needs a nickname in the show, so of course we got to give her one too. Right, and um, Ping -pong in girl. addition, there is her son, Michio, who runs a ping pong dojo. Oh, I didn't know we were talking about him, too. <laughs> and also... Surprise! Fuck it, we'll do it Surprise! live! And uh, Obaba and Michio basically act as Peiko's coaches, coaches. after he... After he temporarily leaves the, uh, the Koizomi school... After he meets the or suicidal dolphin. Dolphin? I'm sorry, after the Katase. God, I, I'm just mixing up names so bad right now. I have come for your soul! Oh, God! The dolphin? <laughs> no, dolphin, no! Uh, so, Butterfly Joe Koizumi is played by Mark Stoddard, who you would know as Dr. Hiroluke in One Piece. He's also Spade in Akka, Bowden in the Heroic Legend of Arslan, and that one asshole doctor in the first episode of My Hero Academia. Dr. <laughs> tells Deku he doesn't have a quirk. He's like, it's not uh, Dr. Dreamcrusher. Uh, don't even. Like, he has, like, that, those, only a couple lines in the first episode, but. <laughs> Fuck uh, you, kid. Such You're an so... asshole. Um, Obaba is played by Pam Doherty. Uh, you would know as, uh, Lady Ofuku in Basilisk. Uh, Sake Jinouchi in Summer Wars. Grandma. Uh, Shinsei Tenazu in Speed Grapper. And the Fat Ghost in Penny and Stucky with Garter Belt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm oh, sorry. I'm the sorry. one who keeps... The one who makes the food that Sake keeps eating. She gets fat. Yeah. Destroys a house. <laughs> Can I and say something like really quick? Cool. It's been forever back since I've seen Panty and Stocking, actually. <laughs> hey, Rick, back, back when, say something that's back when Ghibli were not being sued to death by Hideaki Anno. You mean Gainax? Gai oh, you're um, right, sorry. What did I? I yes, Gainax. And uh, Michio Tamara is played by Jeremy Inman, who you would know as Android 16 in Dragon Ball Z, Miles Miller in Gangsta, Midi and Beck, and. Uh, Ooh, certain personality from Yuri on Ice. Oh, what's his name? H H uh, Style. JJ Style. It's go fuck yourself, you you pompous Canadian fuck style. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. I just fucking hate him. Kind of an ass. I guess. 
Is it so wrong to kiss the ice because I'm so beautiful? Yeah, it is. When <laughs> yeah, Chris just came there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Your timing right, is terrible, JK. <laughs> Don't lick that ice. Chris just came on there. <laughs> Ew. But it's so beautiful. No, because JJ. It's got me. No. No, I didn't uh, know you were into salty surprises, Noah. You know who only me, who is beautiful as me. So I'm making plans to woo and marry Yuri. No, he's not. JJ's Noah. the only straight one. I, I know. I forgot the name of his girl. It's like a... Oh, fuck. I forgot her name. Call See? Her, call her Dawn at this point, because it's played by Dawn Bennett. Woo and marry Dawn. So I'm making plans to woo and marry Four Dawn. kids. Oh, crap. I don't know. I don't know what anime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> four kids off manga Dio. Two, two. Two, two. Oh no! Well, her name's already Duck. That's pretty four kids enough. Okay. Anyways, oh, anyways. I just picked a hard mode. Ooh, <laughs> challenge accepted. Accepted. I've got a. So Megan, what did, what did you think of our coaches? Um. <laughs> uh, oh God, I loved all of them. Um. Mark Stoddard felt like another lead to the show with how much Butterfly Joe was there. And I think that his fast talking really helps because Joe does not know the meaning of slow down. Um, <laughs> and, actually, you're over and actually, a fun fact about Butterfly Joe, um, in the Japanese, he sprinkles English words into his dialogue a lot. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Because I feel like he is this guy who is really, really, really fast-talking and, like, slick, and he's this crazy old guy uh, that fucked up one of his own best friends to win and then gave up on it. Um, I loved how him and Pam Daughtry would banter off each other because Pam Daughtry's character is probably the my, like probably one of the best characters in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, he, she is just so, like, fuck all this, get out of my shop, um, why wouldn't you be a teacher? I was surprised she actually made it to the epilogue <laughs> of the show. I mean, the epilogue is, like, Miss... what, five years later? She's a chain-smoking old lady! <laughs> D Megan, Megan, yeah, I, had a, I had a grandpa who lived to 95, and he smoked every day since he was in his teens. So don't tell me cigarette smoke kills lives. It just kills people who don't have the will to live. Disclaimer, do not take that as actual advice. No, no, do not take that as advice. I do not, I do not condone the nicotine addiction at all. No, don't smoke, people. I do not condone smoking, especially if you are under the legal age required to buy cigarettes. Um, I'm pretty sure that she's that old enough to buy them. Shut up, Noah. Um, honestly, I think they, they all did a really good job. I loved Pam Daughtry in this, and especially because the only other thing I personally really know her from is uh, Summer Wars, where Sakai talked a lot differently than this character did. To me, Mark Stoddard was his, his Mark Stoddardy self. Um, I love him. I like a lot of his acting to death, but his voice is very recognizable to me. Um, but I think he did a really great job. And then I really like Jeremy Inman as the um, the son of Oba, uh, who is Pekko's other coach, who explains how he changed up his style. And I think my favorite moment between him and Pekko is when Pekko 
uh, learns that the statue outside the dojo is of the of the grandma, <laughs> and then he just instantly loses his boner. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it was hysterical. I I thought they were all great. I I wish that they were in more shows like this, but I'm happy they're in this show like this. Um. So I have no complaints. I thought they were great. No, uh, we need opinions. Oh, of course. Okay. Who are we talking about? Oh, right, right. <laughs> the Grandma coaches. coaches. Noah. <laughs> the co- <laughs> Stupid tangents. Sorry, but yeah. Um. I uh, I'm starting to learn more. Uh, Mark Stoddard's normal uh, voice because um, before this I I knew who he was. And I knew what he sounded like. This is I think the first time where I heard him and I knew who it was instantly without having to look up the credits. Oh my uh, same god, thing Noah! Too- I'm so proud of you. Boy, thank you, thank you, Mom. Do I get a cookie? No, because you're still being an awful little shit today. Oh, I'm tired I, I and cranky. Okay. That's that's fair enough. Hey, just be grateful Uncle that you. Uncle Roots did. will sneak you an Oreo after the <laughs> Uncle after the episode. Mommy, I love Uncle Roots. Can we go live with Uncle Roots instead? No. Daddy's being mean to us. Daddy's being mean to us. Daddy hasn't come home from the store ever since he said he was going to get milk. <laughs> Damn it! Oh, Speaking of I'm parents, sorry, I'm laughing my ass off because I know where she was going with that. <laughs> I'm not going any further. No, no, Shut no more fairy. Right no more fairly as parents references. Anyway, <laughs> trying my best Hardy voice there. I also agree with Megan on the fact that uh, Pam Daughtry spoke very differently in Summer Wars than she did here. You can still tell it's her because uh, there are some uh, Funimation voice actresses who uh, will get cast as older characters. And I mean, like, actually older characters, like ones who are in their 60s. And you can tell that they're kind of, it's not actually, they're not really that old. But Pam's got such a natural voice to her that's obviously been around the block a lot of times. And it's so great to hear because it's such a naturally wonderful older sound to it. And I love that she got to play, like, cranky, not not crankier, but more like, um, curmudgeon-y, um... Crotchety, maybe? The what? Crotchety. Sure, yeah, we'll use the word crotchety. I mean, but you've been running a dojo and taking no crap from these teenagers for years now that, yeah, you're going to be a little crotchety. Oh, yeah. So I was really glad that we got to hear her do something that's different than anything I've heard her do before. And whereas uh, Jeremy's uh, playing Jeremy, um, probably uh, the... Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say the favorite uh, non... uh, Yeah, probably the favorite supporting character, just because, one, he looks like a fish... (laughs) So it's like a really unique design to him. And two, he's just really fun to, to watch. He balances out being uh, strict but supportive at the same time, which some of the other characters don't quite do that. Like, uh, Pam's way too tough. Mark's way too nice. But uh, Jeremy hits it right in the middle. Jeremy is kind of in the middle if you're looking at the different kinds of coaches that we run into throughout the show. And... Considering he comes in basically in the last third of the series or so, he's a good supporting character. I like Megan, like the interactions between um, Pam Doherty and Mark Stoddard, because uh, these are two different kinds of characters here. Because you have Mark Stoddard's character, it he's 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 this he's this well-known ping pong player who is basically like I want to do something. Now that I'm in my golden years and everything, so he takes on Skimono um, as, as as his apprentice in a sense, I guess. And he's just so passionate about it, and he's 
first of all, trying to convince Skimoto to let him train him the way he did. He's like, I'm going to be at the gym at 5 a.m. Skimoto's like, you do that, I'm out. <laughs> I'm sleeping. Uh, and it's an it's, it's an interesting dichotomy. We don't usually see this in sports series. Yeah. It's usually either the kid is uh, like has to convince the older guy to train them, or yeah. the older guy is also like totally disinterested until you decide fine, you've got some potential. Let's do this. Joe has a lot of passion for ping pong and for the sport, and, and Mark does pull that off very very well. Very passionate about the sport. Um, and then on the other hand, you have Pam here um, as Tamara, where. This, it's really only this and, again, Summer Wars, where the, that's the only two big roles I remember recalling Pam from. And like everyone else has been saying, two completely different characters, two completely different roles, but I could still tell that this was Pam. I mean, she plays it off as this chain-smoking, doesn't-give-a-shit-about-anything kind of old lady, and I love and respect her for it. Uh, and she also has these fun little quips. She, know, she knows how to play off of kids like Pago. It's like, love ya, kid. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Every time she says, I love ya, kid. <laughs> now, get, now do it again. Now run up this these shrine stairs again. You, you're she's, not going back in until you get under a minute. a little smile on your heart. She, and she's, she's making him go up the stairs while she's sitting and having a smoke. Yep. It's great. It's like, bad influence. <laughs> bad influence, Pam. But, um, yeah, Pam is definitely a fun, fun performance to me. Um, and I need to see Pam and more things that, and I, it's just, uh, we need to see Pam and more things. I really like Mark Stoddard's voice. First and foremost, he does the old man with a youthful, he does the young man in an old man's body really, really yeah, well. Yeah, that's the better way to, ex to explain it. It's not just his, his passion because he has like youth to his voice. That's the best way to explain it. Yep. I really like his interactions with Tsukimoto because you can really tell that he put the energy back into Joe's life. Like, his training is what gets him up in the morning. You can really feel that. And uh, it's the same case with uh, Pandori's uh, Obaba. And Jeremy Inman's Jeremy Inman. This, this role is right to his element. I kind of want to bring up the point because, Ruse, you were saying, you were talking about the youthful, like, dynamic between Joe and Skimono. It's interesting you talk about that because kind of how it develops in the end is almost like a father-son relationship between the two. Yeah. And that's made very clear by the end where we do that time skip to five years later and um, Joe and his wife are talking and Joe's trying to find this hot pot and she's like, why do you need it? It's only 12 o'clock. He's like, but Makoto's coming for dinner. He doesn't refer to Skimoto as Skimoto it's anymore. noon. Yeah. So that's definitely an interesting dynamic because for Skimoto on his end, his parents aren't around. And by the way, I, I gotta give huge props to uh, the actress who plays Joe's wife. I believe it's Julie Erickson. I believe it is. Julie Erickson. She's yep, just Julie Erickson. adorable interacting with him. But yeah, that's a very interesting dynamic between Joe and Skimoto. It's like it ends up developing into like a father-son relationship by the end. And I think it's... And it turns out to be very, very kind of powerful in a way. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. That It's a dynamic that starts out with like coach and pupil, and then it turns into something that's even more mutually beneficial to each other. And I really like that relationship and how it developed. Alright, so now we're getting into the five-ish 
really main ping pong player. You said yes. five ish, but I said five. Focus... Okay, yeah, five. <laughs> I mean, you're um, you're, you're going by uh, amount of screen time they have. Then yes, these are definitely the five main characters. And also, right. it might help if um, you know, like maybe they put their face on the cover of the DVD case. Maybe that's exactly why. This would be one of them. First of the five is basically kind of the antagonist of the first arc. Mm. Yeah, okay. Uh, he's... He really kind of pesters Peiko, gets under his skin, because uh, they basically train together most of their life. Uh, his name is uh, Manabu Sakuma. He's known as Demon, or, or Akuma, depending on which version you watch. And he basically gets beaten out pretty badly by Smile as he's getting trained. Yep. And gets kicked out of Kaio Academy. Well, where well, he slowly begins to rebuild his life. Like, he gets kicked off the team, not out of the academy itself. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, just off the team. Yeah, not... he because he got kicked off the team for basically playing against a rival team without permission. And then he got suspended from Kaio Academy for beating up a couple of punks later on that same day. It was, yeah, pretty brutally, too. Yeah. Yeah, the... yeah he does not fuck around. He goes full angry nerd. Oh, yeah. The, the, the base, he basically does the same thing the two guys at the end of Bamboo Blade does to an extreme. And uh, next up, we have uh, the ace of Kaio Academy, uh, Ryuichi Kazuma, a.k.a. Dragon. His life is ping pong, and he really doesn't understand why. I would say that... Cosmo is probably the true antagonist of the entire show. Right. All his life. He doesn't quite understand why he plays. At, at first he says, oh, it's for the team, it's for it's for the Poseidon Corporation, yeah. it's for Kaio Academy. And then it takes the the semifinal match with Peiko yep. to really awaken what he wants out of his life. And that is just to be himself. I would think it's like a combination of the match with Peiko and um, Akuma talking yeah. to him. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. he's asked, because Akuma does, uh, Sakuma does oh, ask yeah. him the question, like, who do you play ping pong for? And Kazuma's like, I play it for myself. But then, like, a minute later, when he's talking to Sanada, and he's asked, and he's asked, like, okay, would you answer when he asked, when he asked you that question? He said, I, I played, I for, played the team, for the team, of course. So he, so he changed his answer when Sonata came in the picture. So he's not true to himself. Yeah. Right. And over the course of the show, it takes... Basically takes Yurie's rejection and being beaten out by Peiko, the words from Sakuma, for him to actually realize what he wants out of his life. I don't even think Yurie Yuri has anything to do with it, to be honest with you. I... I can't... But we don't. I, I, uh, while he's having his big revelation, we don't really see her interacting with them. Like maybe the seeds were planted, right. but right. like she's she basically went out of his life. I yeah, but we don't really have any kind of falling out or reaction right. to it after the facts. I don't think really Yuri has any no. anything to do with it. I think it's more. Okay. I think it's more well, really. I think it's more really because a big point that they had with Cosmo and his story is his dad. Yeah. That's the big point that they push towards, because by the look of it, his dad committed suicide? In yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Did his mm -hmm. dad commit I suicide? I think it was that, plot. Yeah, he jumped. Yeah, and we got the scene it's... later on where they're talking about there aren't enough reefs, or why you're 
crappy husband's uh, business is why you get right. so many diseases. Like, that tied into that scene later. Yeah. So I think a lot of it might have to do with his family life, honestly. So with his dad's, yeah, um, his dad's implied suicide, be... and then being brought up as a child of this corporation in a sense, and being a product, a manufactured product in in its own way, of this whole ping pong thing, you know, of the family. Yeah, yeah. like he has no um, no sense of, I guess. Um, individuality agency to of himself yeah agency yeah. he sees himself as nothing more than a tool of Poseidon yeah. and the legacy of his family yeah. and his fam and his father's um tarnished legacy i guess you could yeah. say I yeah think that's a big though part. i would i would argue though the thing with urie kind of shows that he's he's struggling with his desires in life i mean because, you know, he's shown in the uh, in the Christmas Eve montage, basically looking at her poster. No, that was other Sonata. Things. That was Sonata. That is the, not the Cosma. Yeah, the other bald guy. That is, that's Ian's character. Oh, that is really? Not okay. I sung white Christmas about wrong one. the wrong okay. person. No. The, there, there's, 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 never, there's never really implied the or physical proof of Cosma really having oh, affection for Yuriye. Oh, God. Okay. And that, but it's... It, then it's yeah, it's clear she does for him. Okay. Yeah. The I'm one, the sorry, one instance, seemed... the one instance you could argue against it is when um, Cosma and Yorie kind of meet up on Christmas, and like they end up holding hands. But I feel like that's more yeah. of, like on Yorie's end, it's like a, it's she wants affection, she loves him. But Cosma is more of like a familial kind of thing, in a way. Okay. So, so I don't yeah. think God, I don't I... think Cosma no. has feelings for Yorie. I don't think he does. He Yuri doesn't have does. room in his brain for yep. affection. Yep. Yuri does have feelings for Cosmo, though, I think. Okay, wow. <laughs> we just blew your mind. <laughs> I'm glad Who we plays did this, this episode. I'm, I'm glad we're doing this episode, because <laughs> I really had that mixed up. <laughs> that anyway, the okay. other character we gotta talk about, because we're just going yes. off topic all over right, the place. Right, right, Um, The third character in this group is... He was basically on the Chinese national team. He ended up getting disgraced, flown to Japan, basically as <clears throat> as sort of a player coach to a team. I can't remember the name of it. I uh, can't either. Right off the bat, is that yeah. is that really a thing that happens? Like you get disgraced and so you get exiled from your country. Like, like, if NFL players do really badly, do, like, do they get, like, I shipped off to... Was... Yes, actually, it's called the CFL. <laughs> I don't know what that but means. But I think he was actually hired by the school to sort of be a player coach. Yeah, because they had... They, they wanted to win, so they, they basically imported a foreigner. <laughs> As I, I... you do, I've watched enough League of Legends to see that happen. <laughs> anyway. I don't think he was exiled so much as, you know farmed out. Yeah, but Probably. if he did not succeed, he would... You couldn't beat Faker! Get out of here! Go to your <laughs> He's good enough. I mean, if you've seen... But... If you've seen how uh, how uh, feverishly the Chinese train their kids to play ping pong, then mm. you know that they accept nothing less than your entire existence right. to win the game. Right. Do they also play you underage, like in gymnastics? <laughs> probably. If they can get away with it, Probably. Although I don't know if that, uh, anyway, know if that give you a physical advantage. Anyway, uh, anyway, anyway, what is this character's name? 
his name is Kong Wenge. Uh, he's known by the other characters as China. Yes. As, as you do. And um, so Sakuma is played by Anthony Bowling. Uh, you would know Anthony Bowling as Tetsu Hachiya from Princess Straight Alternative. Uh, Natsuo Ichinomi from Sekirei. Uh, Shiro Ashiya, a.k.a. All CL from The Devil is a Part-Timer. And Ukio from Samurai 7. Dragon Kazuma is played by Marcus D. Stimmick. Woohoo! Tra- <laughs> yeah, Uncle Marcus. We Yay. haven't seen Uncle Marcus in a while. <laughs> uh, you would know Marcus Stimmick as Koichi Tsukuba from All Out. Uh, he was Saito in the Arise reboot of Ghost in the Shell, also the new movie. Uh, he's Ryuma Tarasaka from Assassination Classroom and Koro Sensei Quest. Yes! <laughs> Tarasaka. I love when, okay, if you've never seen Koro Sensei Quest, there's an episode where apparently one of them is replaced by a fake version of them, and it's Tarasaka, and it's hysterical. Oh, <laughs> now, Kong Wenge. <laughs> this is an interesting one. Uh, Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm, la- I'm I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Go ahead and explain explain this one, okay. Roots. This is a, this is an. He's played. Yes. He's played by an actor named Alan Chow, who you would know as uh, Ethnark from Absolute Duo, Oranami from One Piece, uh, a market man as he's credited in Soul Eater Not, <laughs> and a pirate in Yona the Dawn. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Ah, uh, yes, the Yona pirates. Yona pirates. And. Uh, it's important to note that his coach is played by an actor named Zayep, who has no other anime voiceover roles whatsoever, as far as I know. <clears throat> These two are a very intriguing addition to the cast, uh, specifically because they speak Mandarin Chinese. Yes. Which we are all fluent in, le- so you know, yeah, we understood absolutely. it perfectly. You don't speak Chinese? Come on! I- I'm a failed American. How dare you be called a member of Dub Talk if you cannot speak all the languages that could potentially be dubbed into? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Uh, ni hao. Uh, that's about all I got. Peiko. Peiko. Ni hao. Peiko. Ni hao. <laughs> I, I love Peiko. Ni hao. <laughs> yeah, a couple of characters do that too. That's all they know in Chinese is just hello. Can you tell who my favorite character is though? Peiko. Ni hao. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll get to him. We'll I get to him. But, so roots, roots. Can you tell us why of all the why is it that in this English adaptation of a Japanese cartoon they decided to keep the Chinese character speaking in Chinese? Cause fuck you. That's why. <laughs> okay, but besides fuck me, that's why. <laughs> yeah. God, damn it. When. Besides the obvious answer of fuck you, uh, <laughs> uh, Kong and his coach are obviously from China. And in the start of the series, Mandarin is all they speak. Well, the coach can translate. Right, right. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, The coach translates, but Mandarin is all Kong speaks. Right. And there is on-screen... Over the course of the show, in his character arc, as he's warming up to the other players in his team, he starts speaking a little bit of Japanese. Which, of course, you know, gets dubbed into English. Right. By the same actor. Like, they didn't, they did not just leave the original audio from the Japanese track in and then start to translate it into English throughout the show. It was, it's kept, it's a different actor than the Japanese. 
Right. So basically what it comes down to, it was a very, very big directorial choice that Bevins did. V done very intentionally mm -hmm. to keep that language barrier intact. Yeah. Which is the first time I think I've ever seen this done, because a lot of the times, the if it's in Japanese, the foreigners will be speaking English, which creates a problem when you actually have a show that's going to be translated into English. Like, one that Chris directed was Beck Mongolian Chop Squad, where some of the characters speak in English, or at least English, and they had a problem with, well, how are we going to translate that into an English, full English translation? And they just kept everything in English. They just kind of overlooked the fact that they were supposed to, at some point, be speaking a language that the main characters didn't understand. That's, it's actually interesting you bring that up. And I actually brought up the show when I brought up Christopher Bevins. Because this was not the first time he did that, actually. Correct. Michiko and Hachin, right? Last Exile, actually. Oh, I haven't seen fam. Because people speak Russian. There are a couple characters from a nationality that uh, Gonzo decided to use the Russian language for. Okay. And Bevins let that in. He hired a Russian language coach, Russian-speaking actor. Oh, right! For Fam. Okay. I haven't seen Fam the Silver Wing, so... Oh, it's good stuff. You really I should. I know. I own I own the original show. I'm like, damn it, I need to get Last Nights of Fam the Silver Wing. I really love the shit out of the three yes. of them. Like... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Easily three of the strongest English dub performances I've heard in a really long time. And we've been doing this show for like two years at this yeah. point. Um It is like it's it's powerful. Um I think to go in order from starting with Cosma, Cosma Marcus Dimic gets across Cosma's struggle and politeness all at once it is just like i feel for the guy like he has to deal with a dad that potentially went that went probably through suicide he has no desires and wants of his own until the very end of the show um when he finally gets to do what he wants to do um i think that he really gets a lot of that across and at points i couldn't even believe that was marcus because i'm so used to him as Tarasica from Assassination Classroom, who is, you know, Tarasica and hates everybody yeah. and fuck you, I got mine and all that type of shit. Um, I, I, I empathize with him. He was, he brought a lot of empathy to the performance. Like, you want, he was terrifying and you were able to mm -hmm. embrace him all at once. Um, and there were some points of that show where I specifically wanted to knock his fucking grandpa out for how he treated him. Because, I mean, this is a, a guy who, at points of his, before his matches, goes into the bathroom and cries. Because of, he doesn't want to show weakness and emotion. Basically, it's his way of coping. He, it's his way of coping. Of coping. And then you have, on the other hand, as kind of like a foil to him, Anthony Bowling, who I had no idea that was fucking Anthony Bowling for 12, <laughs> 11 episodes. How could you not tell? Well, yes. Who, who did you think it was? I couldn't tell. I really couldn't tell. I'm the, the, here's the most familiar thing I know of Anthony Bowling that pops out into my head, and that's LCL from Devil is a Part-Timer. Still, how can you not tell? I'm really bad at this, okay? <laughs> um, I loved Anthony Bowling. He was the right level of approachable and dick all at once. 
Um, <laughs> That's one way to describe him, yeah. Like, he's such a douchebag, but... He's got his head in the right place, and you feel genuinely bad for this kid. Because he wants this more than I think... The only... I think he wants it more than anything... But yet, it's his own body who's against him, which sucks, because he's got an astigmatism. And I mean, there's a line that's that's not supposed to be funny, but it is to me. I know which one you're talking about, too. And it is when he's a little kid, his dad's holding him, and he goes, Oh, no. What's that? And and then you hear his dad goes, That's a choo-choo, not a beep-beep. <laughs> that was adorable. And you feel... And it's, ad it's adorable and cute, but at the same time you're like, oh my god, this poor kid can't fucking see that far. And then you have Alan as uh, Kong. Is it Kong or Kong? Kong, Kong. Kong. with a G. Okay, Kong. Kong. Who I think is, is, it's one of the most underrated, it's a really underrated mm. performance, especially because not only is he speaking Mandarin, and you're listening to have him having to perform inner dialogues in Mandarin. He has to get across anger in Mandarin. He has to get across sadness in Mandarin, arrogance in Mandarin. And at the same time, he has to open himself up as a person in basically broken English. So I, I think that all of these performances across the board are knockouts and some of the strongest potentially of their careers. Obviously, some people who have, have gone on to do more, other people, maybe not so much, but they're all fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I could say something critical on this, uh, just to like th to pretend like, you know, I'm being a highbrow and know uh, when people aren't acting well. But honestly, I don't have anything really bad to say about any of them. Uh, Anthony, in particular's character, was probably, probably my favorite of the ping-pong players, because that mentality he's got of... I'm trying so hard, I'm working so hard, and I'm not doing as well as the guy who's it, the skill just comes naturally to. Like It's like that scene in Full Metal Alchemist where, um, uh, I forget if it was uh, Greed or uh, Envy, I think it was Envy who was talking to the brothers about how there is no real equivalent exchange in the world because you can work really hard at something and not be nearly as talented as the guy who it just comes to naturally. All of us could probably have probably seen something that we wish we were really good at, and then we, we envy the person who is just so good at it, and it looks like they're not trying at all. Right. I'm really glad they wrote that character in here, and I'm also glad that they also gave him an arc that allowed him to actually confront the guy who he was trying to emulate, mm -hmm. and actually teach him something in the long run. So props to you, Anthony, for doing that really well. You think like he was like pulling from memory or experience or something. And I don't have quite as much to say uh, on the grounds of... Um, um, uh, Marcus's role because it was just really really good is uh, like is consistently entertaining to listen to uh, not the not the arc I was most interested in um, like you were covering Megan uh, he's he just had like a really crappy upbringing that's not exactly something that I can relate to so much but you can still sympathize with it like I'm hoping that no one here has a ping pong dynasty grandparent who pushes them and crushes all of their emotions well, like, I mean it's it's not as much like ping pong dynasty emotions. I mean, there are tons of people out in the world who have a family, I guess you could say like a family legacy that they have That's to live up That's probably the to. story mm -hmm. they were more leaning towards when it got to Cosmos, more of this whole family right. legacy situation. Right. I, I, it's more like a family legacy thing, not a you are a machine built to be no. this. 
Because obviously it didn't, it felt like it really didn't start until the dad dies in Cosmo's case. Because you do see him having memories of playing ping pong with his father and they're genuinely happy emotions. Mm -hmm. The color work says that, um, I just, it's, it's just, yeah. Yeah. So I, I could not have cast a better person as, uh, as Marcus for the older version or Terry as the younger version. Both of them do a great job on this. And it's probably the, the, uh, the most emotionally raw art or uh, subplot that we get in the end of all the characters in the show. Basically, you have to agree with everything that's been said so far. Um, Anthony, I mean, all three of these people, all three of these gentlemen, these kind, kind souls, it's one of these situations where I want to see them in more things. <laughs> Again, I mean, Anthony Bowling, we've seen him take on major characters, especially since this show. Um, with like Ultimate Otaku Teacher and him taking larger roles like Devil's Part Timer. We don't talk about that show. Fuck up! I do what I want. <laughs> that was a great show, Megan. <laughs> well, what am you I saying? Hate that show, Noah. Shut but your mouth. You, Boss lady you, does what she you wants. have to admit, though, if you've seen Ultimate Otaku Teacher, Anthony Bowling plays um, the lead in that one very well. Um, despite the show being yeah, piece of trash sometimes. Um, and then. Mark Marcus Stemmick, I mean, it's been a while since we said it. We love him when he plays major <laughs> characters like this, and we, I'm still gunning for him to be a lead at some point in time here. So, for me, when I originally watched the show for the first time, I, I was very taken aback that it was Marcus. I'm like, wait a second. This this is this, this kind of the first time where Marcus really, I saw Marcus really step out as a major character, and him as Cosmo was just fantastic. He had those raw emotions mixed mixed in with his whole trauma and this family legacy that he has to um, bring in, and basically all this pressure and expectations that are put on him. And you can tell that by the end of it, um, when he plays his match with Peiko, that up to this point it's been like weighing him down to the point where like after he's starting to win a couple of sets, he he's like yelling and screaming and getting angry. And like, where's that tough talk now? And then all of a sudden, like, Heiko kind of helps him realize, like, how much fun he had. And like Megan was saying, those flashbacks with his dad playing ping pong. Like, it's an interesting ride that you get to see Marcus go through. And I think he does very well. And obviously the surprise one out of these three is definitely Alan. Yeah. Only because, mm. mainly because... This is such a really nice touch on Bevan's part and the way he, the direction that he went um, and the choice to keep Kong and his coach and his mom, essentially, too. Because uh, Kong's mom does visit, visit partway through. And she speaks Mandarin yes. as well. To keep these three characters in their native language. And as Megan was kind of... Megan was saying too, not only for Alan to speak Mandarin Chinese, but also this broken English, where more than likely he's Chinese American and can, and I'm gonna guess and say he speaks very fluent English. So it's very interesting for the progression that Alan plays with Kong here, going from this egotistical, self centered asshole who all he wants is just to succeed so that way he can go back home. And then as soon as he fails against, because he lost against Cosmo, I think the first time, right? Remember where? He, he gets destroyed by, by Cosmo. Cosmo. Yep. And he realizes that he can't come home. 
that's when he starts opening up and opening up and starts teaching these his other teammates about like how to play ping pong and stuff like that and he gets to know them and kind of slowly becomes friends with them i know um we were joking about this earlier where one of the teammates is like if i keep this up can i be as good a player as you and kong's like not a shot pal <laughs> not a chance <laughs> it, was, it was one of those fun moments where he starts bantering back and forth with his teammates and then this broken english and the fact that alan is fluent in mandarin it just adds a very nice touch to this show and i think it was a very solid directing choice on christopher bevan's part to go in this direction rather than rather than not only just sticking to um a person dubbing it in full-on english but also having alan and these other uh chinese american um actors dub this show in Mandarin and not keep it as the Japanese audio. It's a very unique and very special touch and I really liked how that was portrayed. I do have to agree with your comments. Um, I really like how Anthony Bowling started Sakuma off as the total, completely antagonistic asshole. And then he gets skunked. Then he gets kind of suspended from school. And then he meets Peiko, who reinvigorates him. Yeah. And suddenly he's... He really matures over the course of, like, the musical sequence of an episode. I think the time span that he said was, like, six months. Mm. Yeah, that I, could I be. I think that's... Because when he was... That, when he was talking was... to Kazuma, he was like, I think it's been, like... It's like, it's been, what, six months since the last time we spoke? I think I remember mm. him saying that. So it's been at least half a year... Uh, for Sakuma. But even then, like, during the during the Christmas Eve karaoke scene, he's shown doing road work. <laughs> yeah. That was adorable. That was an adorable sequence. Basically showing, you know, he is starting the process of mending his life back together. Right. Yeah. Straight up shout out to Alan for singing in broken English that Christmas yes. song. Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> was, was that supposed to be, uh, like a... An, off-brand version of um, what's that one song? It's like um, last year for Christmas I gave you my heart, but the very next day you the gave very me next yes, day I think so. you threw it, was, it away. Okay, it could have just been like it, it's the same chords that every Christmas song's used, but I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be like a non-copyright infringing version of that song. Might have actually been like an act, a real 80s Japanese pop song. Oh, I, I would need to look that up. To okay. Because it definitely sounded like it. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you, you can't have good times with friends in Japan without going karaoke. And drinking underage, apparently. Um, <laughs> I know we've got some juice around here somewhere. Stop going to pick up beer. Pick up beer. I have to admit, I wasn't a fan of Marcus Stimmick's uh, Kazuma at first. Uh, the, the first, I think, like, episode or two he shows up, he kind of sounded a little too old for me. Would... And then there was one line that he says that kind of turned it around for me in a really big way. It's it's when he's asked, I believe by a reporter, hey, you know, who's your hero? And he just turns around and says, there are no heroes. Mm. And that's when I'm like, oh shit, he, he's got this down. He's only three years older than me, and I'll be 27 in November. 
Wow, that guy's got some range then. Yeah. That's still that's still too old for high school. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're too old for high school. Another, Your mom's too old for fun, high school. Another fun fact, because I'm like, how old is Marcus? Your sister calls me Onija. <laughs> yeah, I was looking up, like, I'm like, wait, I know Marcus isn't that much older than me. How old is this guy? And I'm looking up on ANN right now. And another fun fact, he's a born and raised in Wisconsin. Interesting. I'm like, hmm, okay. But yeah, he was born in 87. Nice. So he's not that much older than, okay. that, than some of we, us. Okay, we've got some catching up to do. Now, I have a very interesting story about Kong. Okay. And my viewing experience, basically for taking down the notes for this episode. I watched Ping Pong on Verve. And for those of you who are subscribed to Verve, for Funimation streams, there's basically a little issue with Verve streams where... So, um, bleh, bleh, I'm sorry, uh, Science and Songs and non-English dialogue are not subtitled. I gotta say, thanks to Yuwasa's very strong visual direction, I was able to keep track. I, I judged it by what I assumed Kong's performance was supposed to sound like. Basically the emotional highs and lows, and it, it fit. But it's basically thanks to Yuasa's direction that I was able to understand what was going on without the dialogue. Okay, so I was originally going to do these two separately, but I feel like their dynamic needs to kind of be done together. Yeah, probably. Yes, they are. Uh, so we have our two leads for this show. Um, uh, Yutaka, a.k.a. Peiko Hoshino. Yay! And Makoto, a.k.a. Smile Tsukimoto. <laughs> because uh, the sun and the moon. need dorky nicknames. Peiko! I love Peiko. Uh, Peiko, who names himself after a candy brand. Oh yeah, that's right, he did! Oh, that's where that came uh, from. Uh, he's basically this playful, energetic... He loves... Asshole. He loves snacks, he loves... Uh, <clears throat> he loves he's skipping practice. He's a, he's a shithead in the very beginning of the show, yes. <laughs> a believable but shithead. It basically takes him getting beaten horribly by Kong and I believe Dragon in the first no. tournament. No, I don't well, think gets, I don't think I, he played Dragon. I, no, he just gets beat by Kong. Not even in a tournament. Got, it's just a he, random. He got beat by. Didn't he get beat by Sakuma in the tournament? Okay. It was Sakuma. Okay. It wasn't Kazuma. It was Sakuma. No, I thought he was beaten by Kong in the tournament. No, he no. No, this is when they first he's met. beaten by Kong when they sneak into his yeah. school. Yeah. In the first he's episode. Beaten, he's yeah. beaten by Sakuma in the tournament. Okay. Again, too many bald dudes. <laughs> yeah. Too many balls in the air, too many bald dudes. But Kong's not bald! Well, okay, oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But it basically takes him getting horribly beaten. He, uh... He basically gets drunk off of, uh, alcohol Chocolate, candy yep. on Christmas yep. Eve... I'm giving literal meaning to the phrase, I want to get chocolate wasted. Yes. <laughs> uh, he nearly kills himself <laughs> jumping off a suicide bridge. Suicide dolphin. The dolphin of <laughs> the suicide dolphin will see you now. <laughs> and then <laughs> And then basically turns his life around by re retraining himself in ping yep. pong from the ground up. Yep. Now smile on the other hand. As a kid, he was constantly bullied. He found ping pong thanks to Peiko. 
and turns out he's really good at it. Like, really good. Like, apparently playing video games makes you a really good ping pong player, too. Like, like, robotically good at it. Uh... Yeah. Lilac, go home, you're drunk. No, I'm tired, oh, by the so way, shut up. <laughs> fuck you, I'm already home. <laughs> I'm already home. But yeah, I'd say probably the big thing with Skimoto is the fact that throughout the course of the show, it's this whole cyborg robotic kind of deal in terms of place. He stuff. shuts off his emotions yep. to get really good at ping yep. pong, and then he goes too yep. far. Okay, so uh, Peiko, as a teenager, is played by Aaron Dismuke. Uh, now you would know Aaron Dismuke as uh, Toyu. <laughs> oh, god damn it! Toyu Natsunagi from Princess Stride Alternative. Uh, Toji, a.k.a. 12 Hisami from Terran Resonance. <laughs> uh, Prince Arslan from Heroic Legend of Arslan. And Leonardo Watch in Blood Blockade Battlefront. Are you okay there, buddy? I'll be okay in a minute. Smile is played as a teenager by Micah Solsad. Yeah, boy! I... <laughs> now, you would know Micah Solsad as Ayamu Karewaki from Princess Stride Alternative. You would know him as Al Fukai in Erica 7AO, a.k.a. That Show Doesn't Exist. Uh, Yukitaka Tsutsui from Level E. And a little character that got, like, two shows? Uh, Soul Eater Evans in the Soul Eater franchise. You have yet to mention my favorite, bl my favorite black-haired demon-possessed idiot. <laughs> mm, yeah. Mm, mm, not today. Anyways. <laughs> my longest yeah boy ever because these two are fucking great um i think that my favorite part of this show is how much they play off of each other both in kid form and in adult form with micah and afia being so very quiet and um aaron and uh, Maxie being so very loud. Um, one of my favorite little touches in the show is that I guess when Smile gets in the zone, he starts to whistle. Yes. Or starts mm. humming to himself. And, or he starts humming to himself this thing he calls the hero yep. song. And I love that Micah hum, they, they didn't just, they had him sit there and hum it. And it felt so natural for him to be doing it too. He hums the uh, the hero song in such a monotonous, like a like a machine. Yeah, and then when Peiko is playing Kazuma in the semifinal match, like an actual instrumental, upbeat version of that song plays as he's. Facing I think with him. Micah's whistle too. Uh, I don't think it did with maybe? Micah's humming. No, I know with um. I believe when Peiko and Smile played each other in the finals, that's when the song came in where Micah was humming it. But I don't recall him humming it during uh, Peiko's Mac and Cosma. And Aaron plays the snarky, fast-talking, ping-pong-playing jackass yep. really well, too. Um, oh, yeah. Like, he's so convincing that he is this teenager. And I think he still kind of was a teenager when he recorded this. Um, I think he, he nails, he nails being Cosma. Um, he absolutely gets it. 
he is this kid. And no matter what's gonna happen, he's always gonna be this kid. And even when you see him five years in the future where he is this big shot still, it, it's great because you know he's he's still him despite what happens. So you liked it. You liked them both. Fuck yeah, I liked it both. Awesome! Um. Need to get at least one good fuck you in there. Or fuck yeah in there, not fuck you. <laughs> fuck yeah! Fuck anyway. yeah! <laughs> no. I'll double that and say that the fuck yes have been doubled because I, I okay, um, the most recent thing I heard Aaron Dismuke in was uh, playing the lead male in Fuka, where he's not snarky in that at all. He's he's very, uh, he's chill. He's really chill bro in that. Kind the snarkiest enough. we get in that show is when we hear the bloopers and the outtakes. That's where he's, <laughs> <laughs> which you, you guys, I, well, I read the manga, you get hit by a Exactly. Drop. So the fact that he actually has a show where he gets to be that jerk-off character on the script was amazing, and I was so glad that they cast him in this one. Yeah. And it's, uh, just going off of what you guys said. a lot about jerking off today. No, 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 no more paddling the balls. No, we won't be talking about <laughs> God that. damn it. Oh, and Micah, also, uh, really good. Um, I, you know, is, um, is he the one that everyone, uh, says kind of sounds a bit like Johnny Young Bosch sometimes? Yes. Yes. Okay, that because that's who I thought it was at first before I looked at the cast listing. But as it's going, as it went along, I was really surprised because I don't think I've heard Micah have this. Um, that, okay, it's a character that's supposed to be kind of robotic in his playing, but not in his acting. So the fact that he could take, uh, he was not uh, stilted, not monotone, very uh, enthusiastic without being over the top. It's kind of a hard tightrope to walk, so I'll, I'll give like a round of applause to Micah for doing that really well. I'd have to say the exact same thing in terms of Micah, because the big thing I think with Micah's character, um, and the fact that his playstyle is so robotic, is... Yeah, he's not stilted or anything like that because he's pretending to be a robot. He's seeing himself as robotic, so... Even though the performance itself isn't stilted and it still has these different kinds of emotions, you can still tell he's, he, in his mind, he is this robot, he is this cyborg. Because when they were kids, that's what everyone called him. They thought of him as like a robot or a cyborg that never smiled. Which, the irony of that nickname, actually, while we're talking about smile. Because in the beginning, you're led to believe that the reason why his, name is his nickname is Smile is because he never smiled. Come to find out through Peiko, the reason why Peiko gave him the nickname of Smile because whenever they played ping pong together, that was when Smile was the happiest. So it kind of the whole thing with the nickname was actually really intriguing to me, and um, I did enjoy Micah's performance. Uh, now, in terms of Aaron as Peiko. If people recall the first W Awards episode we did about two years ago, there's a reason why I gave Aaron an award for best male performance for Pago. There is a reason, because this is my favorite performance of the entire show. I, I feel like if there was a start for the whole snarky Jagoff Aaron kind of rules, this might be it. And it's so phenomenal, because not only is he snarky and a pain in the ass when he needs to be, He's still a really good friend and a really good person, even though 
for him, his major arc is basically this whole redemption story, and it's it's a great story to follow and watch him go through. And I got so much enjoyment out of it. And just seeing Aaron as the snarky little shit, it's like, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm like, I don't know, what's the best way to put it? It, it was so much fun for me to see, because I think... Because that same year we had both Arslan and Blood Bowl K Battlefront. And Leo does have his snarky moments in that show too. But to really see Eren go full on snark with Peiko was probably one of my favorite things that I had seen uh, when I originally watched it. And it's still one of my favorite things after watching it again. So, again, props to both, both these gentlemen. They did phenomenal jobs here. I, I have to mine yours, Megan's, and Noah's statements that I really like Micah and Aaron in the roles. Uh, I do think the both of them bring, like, there's a concept called um, Red Ogre Blue Ogre. Mm, yep. The Red Ogre is, like, energetic, <clears throat> cocky, all that. And then the Blue Ogre is quiet and reserved. Yep. And I really like how Micah and Aaron play those two roles to a T. It's a dynamic you see in shows like Samurai Champloo and... Ooh, what's another good one? Um, I guess Bleach, in a kind of roundabout way, plays off it pretty well in the first couple arcs. With uh, Ichigo and Renji. right? Oh, yes. There is actually another line from the trailer that when I finally saw the show and got the context of... Really got to me. It was Afia Yu as Young Smile, basically asking, <clears throat> uh, "Can you teach me to be as good as you? Because I want to be." Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. It was like uh, somewhere near the middle of the sh uh, in context. It was somewhere in the middle of the show. No, it was more towards the end. Was it? Yeah, because this is one of those moments where we realize that Smile can actually smile. Oh, oh right. We don't actually mm -hmm. see that until the that picture, that uh, the photograph we see on the yep. wall. Yeah, exactly. Okay, now I remember. By the way, I guess a good example for what Roots is talking about is if you've watched any of the Digimon seasons, kind of, like your Tai and your Tai and your Matt, mm. your um, Takuya, uh, your Takuya and your Koji, um, I guess Davis and Ken. Yeah. With that type of shit. Ka Believe uh, Karma, Karma and Nagisa. Yes. Quite it, literally. It, in the paintball the episode, yeah. The leader of Digimon yeah. and the lieutenant, basically. Yeah, basically. It, it's a trope that works well, and there's a reason... Like, I'm kind of glad that they didn't make them rivals like they do a lot in these uh, Red versus Blue series, where they're they're foils to each other, and they're also not quite friends. And this one... Your Kuroko's and your, your Kuroko and your uh, Kagami. But, like, that's a shit. Yeah, here, they're... They're definitely rivals, but they are also very good friends. They bring out the but, best in each other. Yes. Right. They bring out the best and worst in each other. Unfor I guess, well, the the worst is already there because, like we said, they're, they're high school shitlords. It's, kind of, it's just kind of comes out naturally. Well, I mean, in the sense that, like, how Kazuma, I mean, not Kazuma, um, how Smile holds back against Peiko as high. Yeah. And that how he has to learn how to get over it because I think he has this sense of, like, hero worship to him. Or how, uh, because Smile never really chastises Peiko, Peiko is a lazy little asshole. Right. 
Now, at first, I thought that um, him holding back on Peka was more of out of a um, almost a, a pity, I guess it were. But yeah, when you say that's more like hero worship, that makes that makes a lot more sense in your motivation. Yeah, like I, I can't beat him; he's my BFF. It's, it's it kind of reminded me of how um, uh, you've you've seen Watamote before, right? Yes. No. Okay, uh, for those of you who have, uh, remember that the card game scene where. Uh, she cheats at the game, and her little cousin watches her, and then she, like, the next time she looks at her, she looks at her with, like, this almost, this pity in her eyes, like, aw, you poor older cousin, you, I, I now feel bad for you. I think I remember that. that that's kind of, like, how I, I thought that Makoto's relationship was uh, with Peiko at the beginning. I, I do kind of want to wrap this up and move on to final, final thoughts with one last yes. thing. Please, thank um, you. I, I really did kind of, like, the setup basically to the final match between Peiko and Smile where <clears throat> where Joe basically tells Smile about the instance right. that basically that basically ended his career where he <clears throat> he was given the choice of being a champion and basically injuring his friend permanently for life or throwing the match and he chose to throw the match and then that parallels with Peiko's Peiko and Smile's yeah. final match mm -hmm. where Peiko basically wore his knee down and then Smile basically has to choose between to his, permanently maim him between his friendship or a future career in ping yeah. pong which, as the finale implies, he chose his friendship. Mm -hmm. So does this mean that Peiko's going to grow up to be a multi-billionaire shoe-selling ping-pong entrepreneur? I hope not. No, Peiko's still working. <laughs> Maybe, like, like, much further into the future. I hope not. <laughs> well, he's still his, his sarcastic self, self in Germany. Yep. But, oh, he'll fit right in. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Don't know what that means. Okay. So we we've gone on like super long. It's like eleven thirty right now. So let's go into final thoughts. Yes, please. I am tired. Being the person who literally just finished the show for the first time tonight, um, I think that this is a show that's not to be. You should at least see it once. You should see it once just to say you've seen it because this is not a show that you you just watch because you can. You watch it because, well, I mean, you watch because you can, but <laughs> what are you saying? You don't go into this show expecting Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. You go into this show without preconceived notions of what it is and just let it fucking happen, because you're gonna trip some balls without tripping balls. You you don't you you get to have all the fun of taking acid without <laughs> the fear of why is the dragon in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> And why is the ceiling on fire? And why is the cat talking? But you get this wonderful story that gets to be deep and passionate and edited so well and voiced phenomenally. Is this show for everybody? No way in hell. Um, there are people I know who watch anime that would get bored by the first 10 minutes of it. But for those people who can sit and watch this show it is fantastic it should be on your shelf as an anime yep. fan it's one of the best dubs to come out in the last three years honestly 
Um, it's one of Christopher Bevins' best pieces of work. There are touches on this show that I haven't seen anybody else use, I don't know, out of risk or if it's just not feasible with the simuldub era. And there are a lot of these shows, Yuri on Ice maybe thinking kind of of that, that were so popular that they, they couldn't afford to put this kind of special touch and care onto it. Not saying that that dub is bad in any way, shape, or form. Um, honestly, watch the show because in a way there's it's really hard to express in words. Go, Noah, so we can all yes. go to bed. All right. Try to put this in words. All right, I will use my magic here to describe that this is a show that I don't think any other method of creating it would have made the art of ping pong, and yes, I'm pretentious enough to call it an art, make it look interesting because like, I, I had a ping pong table in my college dorm and yeah, it was just there, but it wasn't life affirming. But this show pulls out all of the tricks, snappy dialogue, dynamic character arcs, like a ton of different subplots that are just developed enough to be interesting without being indulgent, squeeze into this 11 episode series with an art style that yes, is trippy as balls and is probably the closest I've seen to a manga adaptation as you can get because it uses a lot of cut, frames, a lot of squares, a lot of jagged edges, like multiple camera angles. It's really wild. It's really, really wild. And I'm really glad that we got a chance to watch this. So thank you, Roots, for that. If you like Beck Mongolian Chop Squad, if you like, um, I guess, uh, if you like high school centric shows where the characters actually act like they're in high school, or if you like more urban indie films, then this is definitely something you need to check out. And I yeah, I can't really give this a high enough recommendation. Maybe this will convince you to try ping pong out. I know I'm gonna try as soon as we're done recording. At 11.30 at night? At 11.30 at night without a ping pong. I'm sure somebody in my neighborhood has one that they'd like to sell. Well, you... Dude, I passed out at like 6.30 last night after watching three episodes, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, you do you, Noah. Uh, you have a <laughs> well, you do you, Noah. Um... You do you, Noah. What's up? <laughs> uh, honestly... Like Megan said, is this a show that's going to be for everyone that everyone's going to join? No. However, on to that end, I think this this series in general is one of the more underrated shows. And oh God, it's yes. so underrated. And it's because it has such a wonderful story. It's very character driven with a bunch of story arcs that manage to not get lost in the shuffle of everything that's going on in the span of 11 episodes. And in terms of the dub, I mean, this is definitely a very, very strong dub in from in multiple facets. Not only do you have strong performances from some actors you commonly and typically see right now, like Micah and Aaron, um, you see performances from actors you don't really hear utilized in major roles, those being like Anthony and Marcus, and then you have special small little touches, um, in the case being Alan Chow, as well as um, the other two Mandarin, the, the other two Chinese American actors who came in and stepped into these other two roles. And it's things like that, adding that uniqueness to the show, that really make the dub itself stand out and make it a phenomenal piece. It's very well, well written. It's very well directed and casted. Um, I mean, there are probably small, small, minuscule gripes that I would have here and there about it. But honestly, there's a reason why I gave quite a few awards to the show when we did the first dub. He's not just to Aaron, 
but if I recall correctly, I also gave awards to Bevins for directing it, as well as to Ping Pong in general uh, for a best home video release. The dub is phenomenal. It's one of the more underrated ones that kind of, uh, since it's on save label, it basically, the show in general flew under the radar. Um, mm-hmm. And so like Megan said, I would at least watch it once to say you did. And if it's not your cup of tea, that's perfectly fine. Um, but if it is your cup of tea, buy this immediately. Because um, it's a, it, it was definitely a fun show to come back to. Because um, again, this is the second time I watched it. And I enjoyed it every second of it i felt i basically fell in love with the show and the dub all over again um after my on on the second watch and i'm so happy i own it on dvd yeah thank you write stuff in your christmas sale it was a mega deal on the christmas sale like what two years ago i'm just very sad that it's on the save label because it's it's one of those underrated shows that um again just flies under the radar and Honestly, I think I, my opinion of the save label is there are good shows that get sent to it mm-hmm. that I don't think deserve to be on the save label because it kind of cheapens them. Like Carnival. Michiko and Hachi. Yep. Jin. Michiko and Bamboo Hachi. Blade. Bamboo Blade. They're, welcome to the Stop NHK. sending all the Bevin shows down there, you yeah. assholes. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, there are quite a few shows that end up getting sent to the save label that are such good shows, and I think it's a sh- damn shame that they get sent to the save label. While, meanwhile, when you look at the classics label, you have friggin' God, what do we have? Heaven's Lost Property? Seki- Sekirei. The Master of Martial Master Hearts. Martial Arts. I'm the not se- even kidding about I, The second season of Black Butler. Yeah, I wish they would have put this on anime classics, not Save. I think the problem it comes down to is it's, sales for this show. It's really it's, what it comes down to, and it's a hmm. damn shame. It's a hard sell. It is a hard sell, because there's a lot of things that if you're looking on the outside and surface level of it, that could go against it. Um, and people... Sports probably... animes. Just sports anime. Well, sports anime, the animation, obviously, probably is a big turnoff. I think a... I think the last point I kind of want to make before Roots can do his final thoughts, because, again, we've been at this for so goddamn long and I want to sleep. I think around this time when Ping Pong came up, there was the whole stigma of Funimation never really licensing and dubbing sports anime and I think ping pong while it may not have been probably one of the more successful examples of this it probably at least started to free up the potential to bring in more sports anime again mm. it was a gradual process yeah it's a gradual uh, it's process but I think ping pong was one of the earlier ones that kind of helped kickstart that a little bit that's my opinion I could be completely wrong on that but, that's for another podcast but yeah it's a fantastic show it's very underrated if you have not seen it, go watch it. So, as I said earlier, this was a show I really evangelized over during the simulcast era. Like, I pounded the pavement. I, I hit actual entertainment websites like Vulture and Variety as they were reporting on uh, on the Adventure Time episode Food Chain. Like, go to Hulu, go to Funimation, watch the show, watch Tatami Galaxy. Because I really wanted to see this get a home video release. I wasn't really particularly picky about whether or not I got a dub. I just wanted it on Blu-ray and DVD. So then it got picked up like November-ish of the year it was released. They dubbed it. Not only did they dub it, it's probably one of the best Funimation has ever produced. 
Like, I would put it up there in the Pantheon with stuff like Bacano or Full Metal Alchemist. Those, wow. those really big... <clears throat> It's good enough to show. sit against that. That's strong words right there. No, I, I agree kind of with agree it, with though. that, though. Yeah, I can see that. And it is a crying shame that it made it to the save label. And I, I really hope that maybe somewhere down the line, Funimation could see the justification to maybe put it out as a premium edition. Well, the best thing we can say about this is that if it's on the save label, it's cheaper and more people can see it. So but at the very the least, but yeah. the problem is the, the problem sword. is the ugliest sin. The There's ugliest that, sin but box. it's the whole like well. label of the save label, like being like, oh, these yeah, things save are label cheap usually... and bad. So it's like, uh... I... if you if you're. I was gonna say, Look, if you're okay, obviously nice shiny boxes are nice to have. But if you ju if you want a good show and you're so turned off by uh, the cheap uh, two sleeve uh, flip case, the whatever design it is, you guys know what I'm talking about. You should not be watching the show. It's not about the box. It's about the content. No, it's my. I know, I know but I know. my whole thing is the labeling of it. Really. Yeah, save is generally perceived as like wash out. Uh, yeah, that's the Romeo X Juliet is on the save label for God's sakes. Well, it's a good show until you get to the last goddamn episode of it, and then that's just done. <laughs> you raise me up, so, so I. So, anyways, as you're saying, roots. My thoughts in a nutshell. Check out a delete three episode rule. It. Yep. Like, if you if you love it buy it if you kind of like it maybe check out a little more i would still recommend purchasing it because mm -hmm. i mean save is so so cheap mm. like i think it's like 30 dollars retail probably and like on sale it's if it's a good sale probably like the 17 18 dollar mark mm -hmm. i i've seen it go down as low as 15. oh wow okay Especially for really? an, an 11-episode series like this, because yep. th sometimes they put 26-episode series. This, this one is a, an 11-episoder. Yeah, and, and, you know, if you check it out and you don't like it, I, I will at least give you respect for at least trying it out. But please, at least try it out. It's it's a good show. Just try it. Roots, you're like a... You're like a drug peddler. Like it... like, <laughs> you, you, got, you gotta try this just, like just a little bit, man. Anyway... It changed. It, it changed my life. It changed my life. One hundred years Szechuan sauce. <laughs> exactly. www.100yearsszechuansauce.com. Can I go to bed yet? <laughs> Not until we try yeah, that sauce. Yeah, we should probably. We should probably wrap I'm this be up. Um, a lot of shit today. So you can find our podcast Dub Talk on YouTube.com/slash, basically Dub Talk. Yeah. Um, we also have a Twitter account, an Instagram account, and a Tumblr account at DubTalkPodcast. Which, side note, so, the time, but probably by the time this episode goes up, we're pretty close to our 1K goal. For the yeah, year. Um, as of tonight. As of recording, I think we were like 50 yeah. away. Yes. So... Can we make 1K before A-Fest? That'd be awesome. <laughs> we just gotta keep shilling. Oh, yeah. Which, speaking of which, A-Fest. We got a panel. History of anime dubbing. Woo! Uh, it'll be Lilac, Megan, Gigi, Amon, and myself. 
basically talking about the eras of anime dubbing. There'll be a little bit more details because we have we do have an announcement video on the way um, for the f next week. Actually, um, there will be a little bit more details at that point. But yeah, come see us. Also, there there was a Q and A video that was as of recording posted like two days yes. ago, yes, and yes. it'll be like yeah, it'll be like a week and a half. By, this, by the time this goes by up. By the time this goes up, you guys will have only until Friday to submit answers to it, because after that, we're going to start putting the video together. Yep. Mm, yeah, so please, if you have questions, um, post it to that video so we can yep, find either it. Either post it to the Q&A announcement video, or you can tweet um, at DubTalk Podcast directly uh, with your questions that you would like us to answer, just so you... Just because since we've gained a lot of traction the past several months, uh, we figured, let's see if people want to get to know us, ask us anything, and we can tell you maybe a little bit about ourselves a bit more. Um, Roots, make, make, how did they, how can they find Ping Pong the Animation if they wanted to see it? Alright, so you can stream it subtitled on Crunchyroll. Um, you can stream it dubbed on Funimation. Uh, Hulu may also still have it. I'm, I, don't quote me on that. Here, I'll find. Keep chilling. I'll look it up for you. And um, if chill, chill, chill. <laughs> and there's also the option of getting both via Verve. <clears throat> and I, I would do a whole long plug on Verve, but we're we're already like way over time. Yeah, no, yeah, not bad. today. And uh, it's also available. In two different versions on Blu-ray and DVD, you can probably still find the standard version if you don't like the save label. If you don't mind the save label, save exists. It exists, but I don't recommend it. Yeah, well... But if, if you... If, it doesn't take up a lot of space on your shelf. Neither does... Like, I would rather I, you get it. Pink Pong doesn't have like, a No, it doesn't set, have though, a limited actually. edition set. It's just the standard. I'm I'm trying to sell more units here, women. So are and then we. you can probably also find it via digital download oh through sites like iTunes, Amazon, PlayStation, Xbox, and as an, the like. As, as an update, it is not up on Hulu right now. Okay. So scratch that one. It's available everywhere except Hulu. Cool. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? All right, so let's get to plugging ourselves. Megan, where can we find Hi. you? Hi, my name is Megan. I'm a horrible person who caused this episode to be longer than it is, so I'm going to be quick. Follow me at QueenEra2 on the Twitters for ship post pictures of my cat Shinya, my other cat Luna, and our two dogs, Maka, and the ever adorable Pupper puppy. Bailey. Yeah, um, Bailey. Yeah, we <laughs> so just. Cute. My, okay, full disclosure my father bamboozled my mother into a seven week old puppy in the middle <laughs> of the That is a good man. Because <laughs> um, that's the best way to do it. Here's how here's how we did it. Oh, we're gonna bring her over for a play date to see if Maka gets along with other dogs. We're keeping it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can also see me at Anime Fest in a couple of weeks, uh, where I will probably be crying on the main event stage because I'm nervous as fuck and trying not to vomit. <laughs> oh God. Noah, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me uh, residing in my lovely West Michigan home, raising a family of two children, and who you may have heard in the background throughout this episode, and I apologize for that. It's kind of impossible to cut that out, but it is the best thing in the world. You should all have children if you are mature enough to do that. 
However, when I am not being mature and taking care of children, I also can be found on Twitter, at NoahClue, where I usually rant about all manners of animation, usually the Western variety, because, um, you know, Western cartoons are the best. I think we have long established that. This is just a side project. And speaking of side projects, I also have a YouTube channel, which is at Journey Traveler. Um, I haven't updated it in a while. For aforementioned reasons of raising family, um, if I ever do though, you, you should totally subscribe to it so you can be the first to see when I finally decide to start uploading content to it. Lilac, where can we find you? Sup, my name is Stephanie, I am also known as Lilac to some. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review, with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E, a musical review where I basically post about my daily life, which includes a lot of work and a lot of editing. And even though I think the past couple of days my tweets have been kind of scarce because I actually just started a new position uh, for the company I work for. So Yay! I'm in the middle of training right now. I just Woo! finished my second day today at the time of recording this. Um, but yeah, that's basically all I do on a daily basis and wrangle... Work up that ladder! Yeah, and also wrangle 12 other goobers on a regular basis. No one told me that we weren't allowed to tape lack to the back of the bus. I told you once, I told you a thousand fucking times, Noah. We don't torment. We don't torment Lack. But, but, uh, okay, fine, fine. No. The only person here we torment is Andrew. Well, uh, well what do I, chop liver? <laughs> okay, in you, but we took you out of hell because you've been a good boy. <laughs> we don't get to torment you anymore. We're not allowed to torment you anymore. Now Andrew is our new <laughs> fuck boy. Anyway. <laughs> Full disclosure, we love you, Andrew. Please don't ever change. <laughs> anyway, Roots. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter, at Roots of Justice. I repost pug pictures. I, you know, wear a nice tinfoil hat and from time to time. I mostly... But you're not a dick about it. <laughs> but I'm not a dick about it. Um, I, I talk a lot of anime industry stuff that I barely understand. I would like to start my blog up. I just haven't figured out what I want it to be about. It should be a blog about wanting to start a blog. <laughs> Genius! It's blogception. Funded. It's blogception going on here. Oh yes. no. Oh no. Putting up a Patreon. Let's do it. And Talk. I will write on my blog about Root's blog about wanting to write about blogs. Yes. This will. It is the blog that never ends. And on that note. Before we go into another musical so, number. So on that note, we must say adieu. But remember, podcast folks, if you ever feel bored, just save yourself three times. The, the, po podcast <laughs> the, the podcast appears. The podcast appears. The podcast appears. And we will come and fight your boredom. Because <laughs> we come from Planet Dub Talk. Yes. Planet Dub Talk. Out. So, from Planet Dub Talk, we would like to wish you a good night. And Otaku Wanda Dub Bye, guys! Peace out.